from this valley they say you are leaving I will miss your bright eyes and sweet smile for they say you are taking the sunshine that will brighten my path away of life come and sit by my side little darling do not hasten to bid me adieu just remember Duncan and both come correct. So I will be shipping you uh, this weekend Poughkeepsie and Rawhead Rex. Yeah, you need to let me know how much I'm due, Bo. All right. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, Itemize it, send it through, and I'll get it pinged over to you. Yeah. I, I'm not worried about that. I, I know you're good for it. Um, it's not like the British. You're a Scot. <laughs> someone I can trust. Uh <laughs> Uh, has has no man ever said. Uh, so. <laughs> there, there's a Scott. Now there's someone I can rely on. Yeah, like the, the Scott. I don't know if you know Scottish are notoriously um, fickle with their money, or that's the perceived uh, perception of us um, in the rest of the United Kingdom is that Scots can be tight-fisted when it comes to parting with their money. I um, I, I was not aware of that as a stereotype, but now that I know it. Old cheapskate Duncan. Yep. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course, it would be some fucking English bastard cunt that would say that in the first place. <laughs> I hate the English, bro. Um, I, I mean, who doesn't? Actually, uh, the, you know, just to start with a tangent, Duncan, recently <laughs> saw an ad uh, for the new Tracy Ullman show on HBO, and she does a, a startlingly good Dame Judi Dench. Oh, fantastic. And... Uh, and, and <laughs> but one of the bits was her doing awful shit because she's Dame Judy Dench and can get away with it and looks startled when people are like, it does. I don't care who you are. You can't spray paint on this wall. And she's like, but I'm Dame Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> Duncan. Yes. Uh, it has been a while since we recorded. Uh, yes. And, and I, it's been just, uh, there's been a lot of complicated scheduling lately. And and finally, finally, not for lack of trying, we 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 were trying, and then just shit kept going wrong. Uh, it's been about three weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, three. Yeah, yeah which it, is I I like to think that we're kind of almost parallel on the show because the show played the first eight episodes and took a two week break. So my thoughts exactly. I mean, it wasn't planned that way. But if you're gonna go out, you go out on episode eight. You take your your breather, <laughs> and. Yeah, and then we launch into episodes nine and ten, which Duncan, I can only imagine, are going to resolve all the questions raised in episode (laughs) eight. I think it would be doing a disservice to our listeners if we don't promise them that very thing. I think we may have said that on on the last episode that were like that. You know, I mean, Lynch is a safe pair of hands. All will be resolved next episode, dear listeners. Yeah, after watching episode eight. I had to go on a, a Himalayan pilgrimage uh, to, a to a walkabout. Monastery. 
Yeah, like literally up there to, to become one with Mother Earth again, just to, to, to try and make sense of things. Uh, I went on a, a spirit quest uh, and found my spirit animal, who is the humble mongoose. It's always going to be the humble mongoose. I, um, and, and threat to the, uh, the, the deadly cobra. That's right, that's right. You're a ricky ticky tabby son of a bitch you are. <laughs> So so once I got once I came back I was like yeah now now I am ready. Uh but I wasn't quite ready. Uh and neither were you and now we are and yes. so we are here. <laughs> um so uh if we didn't mention it this is uh Duncan about come correct uh in its current incarnation it's Doctor Who number 7. Oh Jesus. Uh, cuz now it's a lady. Um yes. is Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaksies. Uh, soon to be followed by Duncan and Bo go to X Files. Uh, yep, and, and then, then Duncan and Bo go to Westworld. So, and then most likely Duncan and Bo uh, are true detectives once again. Oh, oh, your lips to God's ear, Duncan. Like, um, literally, literally, that is that. That's a, that's the next year and a half of, <laughs> of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, you motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> Are you happy? Are you happy with what's happened? Look at Duncan. He can barely look anyone in the eye anymore. Yeah, I couldn't do it before, and that's because I was drunk. Just talking to the wall. <laughs> this wall's getting awfully abusive. And then you started uh, Thirsty Thursdays, and then you just did it into the camera. Yeah, well, this is, this is what I did. I decided to channel my alcoholism into one night and half an hour, so I drank a lot in half an hour, and now I don't need to do it for the rest of the week. It's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so uh so that's the show we haven't been a uh, recording uh of late but uh i'm i for one am thrilled to be back and there's no better way duncan to celebrate our return than with a brief recap of twin peaks so far so hmm. pete martell is uh going fishing. <laughs> no, 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 all right. no i i kid duncan i kid uh, we like to talk about what uh, we've seen lately and and what's gotten us uh, riled up and excited. And uh, it's it's been a while, and we haven't chatted as much. So I, I'm curious, what, Duncan, has gotten you excited in the past couple of weeks? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, something in, in connection with a conversation that you had on a recent Devour the Podcast. Oh, shit. Um, and something, <laughs> uh, something I, 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 unfortunately, was not in a position to to get in on the conversation because I hadn't seen it. Um, but I finally checked out XX, the all-woman anthology. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not a great anthology. I think it's got a couple of highlights, and I think it's I okay. Even, I didn't even think I had that. I actually thought if any of those anthology segments had been part of any other anthology, it would have been the worst segment. Oh, I just man. didn't... All right, I just didn't think any of it was really good at all. I thought the first story about the box was really chilling. Uh, there's something about that notion that really freaked me out. All right. And I thought the uh, St. Vincent one about the mom trying to hide the body was... I thought that was funny. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's not scary, but it was one... It, it was such an elaborate joke to get to such a dumb punchline... Yeah, but I thought I kind of respected it for it. I was like, man, there was a long tail on that kite, but I kind of liked the kite. Uh, and I thought the rest of it was forgettable. Yeah, I didn't. I see. I didn't like the because the, the the box is based on a, a Jack Ketchum 
a novel or story or something. I'm not a big fan of Jack Ketchum either. I don't like many of his adaptations. Um, and I, I, I thought I, I, at the beginning I was quite interested. But yeah, the longer it went on, the more I, I, it really dragged its feet. And by, by the time we came to the resolution, I was just like, this is fucking dumb. You know, I can't wait. You know, I actually, you know, I, unless it was a play on the audience, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Um, and what really annoyed me was the Karen Kusama one was pish. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't very good. But I would argue, and this is, you know, not gender specific. I just don't think Karen Kusama has directed anything that I've really liked. See, I like Jennifer's Body, and I like—I I thought the invitation was a was a great movie. I know you weren't as keen as I was, yeah. but I thought it was a great fucking movie. So, and this one just didn't have. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. I—I th- I thought, in fact, I would say it's 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 jostling for the worst movie I've seen as part of my thirty-one of October, um, and I've seen a couple of stinkers already. Um, I just yeah, I was I was thoroughly disappointed by that just because there was so much hype about it, and I kind of almost feel like if this is the sort of thing which I mean it's technically being used as a women don't get to direct horror movies you know so here we go here's a, a, a you know a, this umbrella that we can we can showcase the best of female horror and it's not and and that's what's frustrating about it is there's some really good women horror directors or genre directors out there just now and um yeah and that is not a great example at all in fact that if anything i think i i personally think it sets sets it back it just it, what there was nothing remarkable or oh, interesting about it you think that double x sets the like the position of female horror directors back i yeah i, 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 uh, I genuinely i don't know i, I, I don't know that, I it genuinely, has that much bang at the the marketing for that 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 thing was getting marketed for over what over two years um amongst people in horror circles sure yeah but when when i'm thinking about i'm 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 not saying like it says back women directors i'm just saying genre directors i'm talking about specifically horror directors like when when i think of the some of the when i think of the babadook for example you know, Babadook to me is a fucking amazing horror oh, movie. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know what I mean? And if I think of even um, a girl walks home alone at night, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I, fantastic I, movie, yeah. Yeah, like really interesting voice. What what this just felt like was tired, already seen tropes. Yeah, uh, flung in an anthology, and I <laughs> yeah, just don't get that's the, right. Yeah, there's that, no unique voice there at all. Uh, could it? That to me doesn't. There was no specific angle or anything which to me. It could have been directed by anyone, and I mean, but maybe that's the point. Isn't that uh, defined gender stereotypes, Duncan, to do a middling anthology film? <laughs> yeah, just it was boring. It was uh, yeah, like, at times, yeah. The biggest, yeah, the, the biggest crime I, I can say against that movie is that it was an anthology which didn't, for me, have what all anthology. Every anthology I've seen, for the most part, has at least one shot where I'm like that. Right, you know, it was. Right, everything was rubbish, but at least it was worth watching it for this, and there wasn't one of them in it for me. So yeah, I yeah. didn't like it. I didn't really. I really didn't like it. Um, on the flip side, oh, I've seen some. Up. Yeah, I've seen some pretty amazing movies as part of my my thirty one of October. Keep it so, the one. Let's just be. But, let's not be stupid. <laughs> uh, I want to mention them all, but um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll change tack there because I told you last night. 
um, of a movie that I saw last night, um, which is uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99. Yep, yep, yep. Which is the new directorial effort from the guy behind um, Bone Tomahawk. So this is his new movie out. Now, I was a huge fan of Bone Tomahawk. I thought, in fact, it was my favourite horror movie of 2015. Uh, I thought it was an incredible, just just a, like, a, almost a masterclass on how to do... I kind of felt you know, there's, there's almost a level of Tarantino minus the dialogue, right? It was just a great, great, gripping, thrilling movie, which you know had plenty of twists and turns, and the last twenty minutes were devastating. Um, and so, you know, I was very much looking forward to this. A, a bit apprehensive because Vince Vaughn is in the the main role, and um, God bless Vince Vaughn. But there were even even during True Detective season two, where he was playing it very straight. There was a couple of moments where I was like, uh, Vince, uh, I don't know. Um, but I sat down to watch it. It's a really fucking good movie. In fact, I might go as far as to say that this year is up near the top. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that by the end of this year, it's because there's a couple of movies I've still to see. Um, but it's right up near the top for me. It kind of follows the same sort of kind of pace as Bone Tomahawk in that... Um, is really a movie that sets up a journey for a character till about the last 20 minutes, and in the last 20 minutes, all bets are off. Um, it's, it's very much in a different... I mean, this is him tackling a different genre, one that he's not done before. Um, the, the very quick, non-spoilery synopsis for it is Vince Vaughn is... Uh, he's, he's married to Jennifer Gardner, um, and he's he's kind of become like a, a drug runner because he wants to give her he wants to have a family, he wants to settle down, he wants to have money. Um he gets involved with a dodgy deal which ultimately locks him up in prison. But he was trying to do the right thing during the dodgy deal and as a result it's put him head to head with the, the, the man whose drugs he was delivering. Um and his wife is then kidnapped. Uh, and voiced by the, this drug dealer's emissary, played by Udo fucking Kier. I was like, oh, this well, is just this movie. Right. Yeah. Just what hug the, just what hug this guy. Uh, it's got Don Johnson in it. Don Johnson is just on a tear at the moment. Everything that guy's in, I love. Um, and yeah, so he ends up in in prison, and he has to do some some things in prison which are not pleasant. Um, I thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely fucking great. I thought Vince Vaughn was incredible in it. Um, some of the it's funny Blockley watched it tonight and come back with oh, some of the practical effects aren't great. Blockley that moans if there's no practical effects in the movie, and you give him practical effects and he doesn't. It's specifically done in a way to fit within a genre. And if you can get behind that, you're going to love it. If you can't get behind that, then you're you're it's going to probably irritate you. I thought it was great. I thought it was a fucking fantastic movie. Um, and he to me is a director very much like uh, Jeremy. Uh, Yep, the the Blue Ruin guy. Those two directors right now are about as exciting as it gets for genre directors in America right now, or or North America. I think that the two of them have real. They're they're young. They've got. They're going to have a long career, and they have already established very distinctive voices, um, and the ability to create tension on the screen at a level which you know tension and atmosphere, which almost comes with 
you know, maturity of making movies, they seem to have already got that now. Um, so I can't, I can't wait, can't wait to see what it does next. Give that man lots of money, um, please, <laughs> like, please, please give him a lot of money and let him just go off and continue doing what he's doing just now because what he's doing right now excites me. All right. Well, I appreciate the arousal, and I look forward to watching the movie. Mm. Uh, I look forward to t- I look forward to speaking to you about the movie. I-, I can't wait to see what you think of it. I think it's pretty fucking phenomenal. All right. I yeah. I'm g- I will get on it. If I don't watch it tonight, I'll watch it tomorrow night for sure. Um, so what you, Bo? I Duncan. Uh, on on the downward note. Uh, finally caught up to the uh, on on the downside, Duncan. Uh, caught up with the Mummy 2017. <laughs> uh, when I saw you post this, I was just like, that. "What?" And there's, you know, there are so many amazing movies out there, and yet we have come to the Mummy. I well, I'm I'm too curious, Duncan, for my own good. <laughs> I'm curious like a cat. That's why my friends call me Whiskers. Um, <laughs> Whiskers runs, though, yeah. you son of a bitch. <laughs> but uh Yeah, I just wanted to see. Like what do you what what did they do? And also, Duncan, my expectations for this movie were so low yep. that this thing could have been a real turd. And I would have walked away from it like, yeah, that was alright. That was better than yep. I thought it was gonna be. And it turns Which is out how... Oh, sorry, I was no, gonna no... say I was going to say that's what I like. The people that have told me that they actually quite enjoyed it are all the ones that said they went in with super low expectations, right? And and that was my hope. Uh, and instead, I left it thinking like, man, that was just rotten. Just really? yeah, it, it just it never comes together in any way. It just feels like a bunch of weird shit that doesn't belong in a movie called The Mummy. Yeah. Um, like it's got a great. Uh, plane sequence the whole thing you see like and they showed in the trailers and they you know had the sound on for that scene of of uh, tom cruise like falling to earth in the airplane um, yeah, mission impossible theme song playing in the background yeah yeah but honestly that <laughs> sequence is really thrilling at the same time the fact that your immediate response was that looks like a great mission impossible scene <laughs> uh is the problem with the movie it is part Mission Impossible, part Brendan Fraser's The Mummy, but oh, right. remove all the fun. Oh no! And part I don't know, man. There was a there was a hint of American Werewolf in it. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, he's got an undead friend that comes to him and tells him what the deal is, much like Griffin Dunn. <laughs> what the? what yeah right and and also russell crowe turns into mr hyde at one point who's just a chimney sweep that's what he talks like <laughs> and oh my god that changed it is, it's that like oh he's old eddie hyde and you're just like oh this is god awful <laughs> and all of that happens in the movie but how could any of that make sense in the same film and it doesn't help that Tom Cruise's character is kind of an asshole. And it's yeah, it's really a head-scratcher of a movie of, like, I don't know how this got past anybody. Because uh, Tom Cruise is... I bet you Tom Cruise had... Like, I, I've heard that the, any project that he's involved with, pretty much you have to give over huge swarms of responsibility to him. 
You know what I mean? It, it, I, I've, I've heard that certain movies that he's in, he gets like final say over, you know, final cut edits and all the rest. So, um, not that I'm saying that's what happened here, but, um, and I, I don't want to blame it all on, like, we, we've spoken about this ad nauseum. It's just a stupid idea to bring that movie, you know, bring that one, bring that movie back and to even begin to start to think about building a franchise on the first installment being the mummy. It's just like the fucking worst idea ever. Well, and it it's ends like, like a superhero movie where it's like, you know, it, like Tom Cruise is kind of the Hulk at the end. Spoilers oh, for yeah, the mummy, yeah. but don't watch it anyway. Um, <laughs> that, that at the end of the movie, like Tom Cruise is like fused with this dark evil energy. And you only kind of see what he looks like once when he's all possessed by set uh and then you later you just see him wandering through the desert and they're like someday we'll need him we need monsters <laughs> thought... to fight monsters and you're like the fuck this doesn't even see... end see there's not even an tom... end to this movie see when you said tom cruise was beset with some sort of evil energy i thought you were going to say scientology um so it... the, yeah i mean <laughs> we're science... getting sued for that bull we're getting sued for that on it honestly this movie makes as much sense as scientology i will say that um, by l ron hubbard the, the mummy l ron uh, hubbard's the mummy yeah it's it's bad anyway so don't see the mummy and i spoiled a bunch of it and hopefully that's enough for you that's that's all you need to hear is that it's a big mess and here's some stupid shit that happens in it um so on the on the flip side duncan um we need to talk about gerald's game and i know uh we're gonna talk about this when we do shiflanigans Shaflanigans, yeah. Uh, which is a great name, and I can't wait to do it. But I feel like <laughs> we should still address this, because it's hot off the presses, kind of. Yep, it's the less than three weeks old now. Yeah, yeah it's so. the new Mike Flanagan film, mm-hmm. and it's an adaptation like of one of Stephen King's eh, kind of lesser novels, certainly lesser known. It has some thematic consistency, and I think there's a little bit of uh, Siamese twinism with Dolores Claiborne that they're like Oh yeah, well that was that was my big takeaway from watching the movie was that I've never read the book. Um and I've um well I, I wasn't familiar with much of anything in it uh, at all. Uh, even the even the story I knew that all I knew of the story was a you know like a woman and her husband is full around and she's handcuffed to the bed and then her husband drops dead. That was literally the extent of my knowledge of what the story was about. Um, and I was watching it and I could not get Dolores Claiborne at my head. It's so much so that I know that King likes to link his, like his universe, so to speak, the, once again, the dark universe, the King universe. Um, so I was messaging friends that are, you know, heavy into King's literature saying, you know, is there supposed to be like some weird connection here? And I've been assured that there is. Um, specifically around the, I think the eclipse is the same eclipse. Yeah, and I Dolores believe Claiborne. that's. I, I I gotta be honest. I've never read nor seen Dolores Claiborne. So you've never seen Dolores Claiborne? No. Oh, you need to do that. All right. I will. It's real fucking good. It's re- like it's Kathy, it's Kathy Bates at her most most Kathy Bates is fucking pretty amazing. Christopher yeah. Plummer's excellent in it. Uh, yeah, and after seeing Gerald's Game and knowing that there's a connection, I'm I'm more curious about the movie uh, Dolores yeah. Claiborne. Uh, but we ain't talking about that movie, Duncan. No. Um, so, uh, no spoilers here. 
<laughs> just the rough story is uh carlo gugino plays uh a woman jess uh who's uh going away to a lake house with her husband uh they're they're having some tough times and uh her husband is um in the mood for a, a game hence the title gerald's game a little sexy game to kind of get him uh the the fire ignited and uh he handcuffs her to this big ass bed um and is getting all sexy with her but uh-oh he popped a viagra and his ticker ain't so good Mm-mm. and so he dies in 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 medias argument more than coitus but still <laughs> uh but so he dies and now carlo gugino is uh is handcuffed to a bed in a in a in a manner in which she cannot uh easily yeah. escape yeah, and a and a kind of lake house in the middle of nowhere, right? With with no clear way uh, for someone to find her or for her to call for help. Like no one will be around in time to save her from mere starvation and dehydration. Yeah, uh, and and it's a great movie. It turns out, uh, it <laughs> yeah. for for a premise of a woman just chained to a bed that isn't one of those creepy movies um it's a like a surprisingly rich film about a, a character's psychology uh but the way that that's portrayed in the film is really energetic like the the movie never feels static and uh when when you get to the more supernatural or at least uh, a hints of supernatural elements in the film um those are really effective and creepy and great and it's it's not a supernatural movie but it has a little a little frosting of that and it's uh it's it's pretty fantastic like it's another proof of concept that mike flanagan is just one of the best directors in horror films uh i'm i am one of those people that doesn't like the the ending that much i i just think it's very hurried and and after spending so much time with that character, I, I, I wanted a little more. And maybe that's All a good right. problem to have. Um, but uh, people have said, well, that's how the book ends. And I don't remember reading the book. I might have, but it didn't it didn't stick. Uh, yeah, I think I read my- another one that where it was a similar kind of story, but it wasn't this. Uh, but at, anyway, but so people say the book ends that way, and if that's the case, then okay, well, you you could lay the fault at 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 the adaptation uh, being accurate to the book. But eh, it like the ending to me is the weakest part of the film, but everything else is so strong that it's it feels like a minor complaint. Yeah, I I, I pretty much echo everything except I actually quite like the ending, so um, it didn't it didn't really bother me, and I know. I can see what you're saying about that feeling rushed. Um, without going into a big kind of preamble into <laughs> into to Stephen King adaptations and stuff, you know fine well that I've done a whole series um, on podcasts under the stairs where I went, I counted down my top 10. Um, and, you know, my favourite movie, which is based on anything to do with Stephen King, is The Shining, but The Shining didn't top my list because Kubrick changes loads from the book um but like all but the like the name of the hotel and the, the character names um he, he changes so much 
uh, in, in his adaptation. And I think King is one of the very few authors where you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Um, and that if you adhere strictly to what King has put in his books, like Stephen King books don't, he's a, he's a, He's a writer that paints very, very strong, vivid pictures in your head when you read things. I don't always think that that necessarily translates well into cinema. Um, so you get, you know, if you take artistic license and start going off and doing your own thing, Steve, you know, hardcore purist Stephen King fans complain um, that, you know, it's not like the book. Why did you change it? Because they, they're very attached to that. Um, but then if you stick too close to the book and you're not necessarily invested into Stephen King's work, some of it can at times feel a bit hokey and a bit silly. Um, because Stephen King at times can be a bit hokey and a bit silly. So, and, and I can't think of any other author, specifically in the horror genre, where you get those very prominent kind of feelings when an adaptation comes out where people are so painstakingly you know, going over the the way something is adapted and comparing it to the source material. Um, I think as as almost as as almost a shame. But that being said, even if Mike Flanagan did adhere strictly to the book, um, what he did was crafted a phenomenal movie with next to no characters at all, um, and the central performances are incredible, um, and you know has a really powerful way of telling a story which once again evokes Dolores Claiborne and at the same time I think by the time that that movie moves I like a, it's not a short movie but it moves because um, when it when it finished I think that's maybe one of the reasons that that ending feels so abrupt to some people is that you know for I think the movie's like an hour and 45 minutes so, you know, it's not like an hour and a half movie, but it feels like an hour and a half. It flies so quickly yeah. that maybe that ending just creeps up just because of the sheer... Uh, and it's a thing, I can't think of any movie where you are essentially stuck with one character inside that character's head, stuck at one location, that at an hour and 45 minutes feels like a spry one hour, 20 minute movie. I maybe, it, maybe Repulsion? Yes. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. So if you're... If you're, if you're if you're having a modern movie which is being compared to Repulsion, then I think you're doing, I think you're doing quite well. Flanagan's the like we'll keep saying this. He's the real deal, and I kind of feel like I shouldn't have to say that now. I think yeah, that I, man's back catalogue speaks for itself. Let's just agree from this point on that it's not like he's done it again. It, like at this point, it's just gonna be like <laughs> that's right. Flanagan came in and fucking knocked it out of the park because that's yeah. what Flanagan do. Yeah, you know, his name gets attached to a project. I think you should like his name gets attached to anything as a prerequisite. You should just be going in expecting a good movie. That's like you know, as a minimum, um, and yeah. be prepared to see a great fucking movie. You well, know what I mean? And that, that that's what I think's the, the that's what I think is he's just a really good filmmaker. Um, and I love the fact that he's like this is my genre. You know what I mean? And he's yeah. like he's he's he's. He's very carpenter that way, if you know what I mean. And that I think he's found his niche. I think he, he he's experimenting in that. None of these movies feel alike. He's tackled lots of different subgenres within horror, but they all feel like Mike Flanagan movies. And I think that that's difficult to do is retain um, a voice which is uniquely yours, you know, or a visual sense which is uniquely yours while tackling um, like home invasion slashers, uh, kind of you know weird Lovecraftian 
sort of, you know, creatures from a different dimension. Um, a ghost movie now, he's done the, a, a fucking possessed Ouija board and, um, you know, often done a Stephen King adaptation. I think the guy is, the guy is all over the place within the genre and every single one of them is just as, you can see he loves what he does and he loves the genre and that respect and that love comes through in his filmmaking. Well, you know what he's, uh, he's got to look forward to now. What's he doing? Yeah, I do know he's, he's, I did hear this. Is he doing another King? Is that what I heard? No, I, I meant, boy, he's not as good as he used to be, huh? <laughs> That's the future. There's going <laughs> to be that movie that. that, there's going to be one movie that it's like, no, that wasn't, that wasn't the Flanagan I know. And yeah, then he'll be I fine, have... you know, like it, yeah. he'll have a down note somewhere in there, but, um, yeah, I think it was, it, it was, shit i yeah he's got another thing coming up i i I think i think as well as i what i love is netflix i've obviously since hush netflix have realized that this guy is legit and netflix are investing in projects for him which is a good zone for someone like flanagan because you have this huge multinational platform to put your movies out you get the ability to put in movies which aren't like like there's a particular sequence in and Gerald's game, which is like the pivotal sort of the whole holy fuck sort of thing, which I imagine might have been cut a bit, might have been censored a bit if that had a cinematic run. Doesn't have to be if it's on Netflix. And you don't have people I imagine you don't have with Netflix as well, people coming in and asking you to trim too much out of your stuff. Um I, I think they're still interested obviously in what goes out, but I think you get a bit more artistic creativity working for a Netflix. And I think that's his sweet spot. I think that's he'll obviously still need to do his bigger movies, and Blumhouse will certainly give him work. They'll throw work at him, but at the same time, I think Netflix is a great avenue for someone like that to just start, you know, doubling down and putting out some really good horror content, which he's doing. So yeah, Shiflanigans, which will be coming in November on Podcast Under the Stairs, is basically looking at the guy's entire back catalogue of movies. So all six, is it now five or six? Um, we, we'll be going through them all and just charting the the kind of meteoric rise of what is you know like like Bo said it I think just goddamn one of the best horror directors around right now I think when people talk about who are going to be the next masters of horror um and you know we and we've lost a couple this year I think you can kind of feel a bit safe that there are voices like uh, Mike Flanagan coming up um that that are you know just Maybe still not being celebrated on the level they should be, but I know for a fact that you know, give him another five years, and you know, people will be looking to him as the the next wave of of you know of these masters of horror, and and rightly so, rightly so. I think he's one of the ones who actually deserves that credit, unlike people like Eli Roth. I I completely agree with that statement, sir. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, Duncan, mm-hmm. with all that out of the way. Yeah. Uh shall we turn our attention to the uh the town of Twin Peaks? Yes. Or more precisely, uh we are turning to uh Doppelcooper. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't doing too well last time with Tom. Yeah, he he got kind of mauled by the uh l- what do we call them? lumber lumber ghosts? Yeah, uh, lumber ghosts. And uh at any rate yeah, just all all fucked up looking, uh, in his jacket, uh, strolling down the road, a dirt road, 
Um, yeah. So did it, so this is the one thing that I think we need to address straight away is right. One, he's alive after being shot <laughs> um, and mauled, but these lumber ghosts have taken Bob away. That's at least what I saw. I mean, Bob was removed from him. And I never saw them put Bob back. Are we working now on the assumption that he's Bobless? I, I don't think we have enough evidence yet. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they pulled him pulled him out or they were just like, hey, is Bob in there? There he is. Let's wiggle him. I don't know. <laughs> Let's wiggle him. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> don't, don't you dare tell me. You have never enjoyed a good wiggling. Uh, uh, I, I do enjoy wiggling my bob. <laughs> so uh, we just see him and he, and he comes to uh, a post that has this red bandana tied to it. And he yanks that off. And, and he's uh, he made a phone call at the end of uh, the last time we saw him, at least. Um, and he is uh, going to Safe Harbor, we know. Um, but then we cut to the plane where there t- it's uh, uh, Gordon and uh, Albert and uh, and God bless her, Diane. We do uh, love Diane. And uh, did I say Tammy? Tammy and Gordon. And anyway, they're all on the plane. They're heading back after seeing uh, Doppel Cooper. And uh, Tammy's bringing Gordon some coffee. He's on the, on the horn with Colonel Davis, a.k.a. Ernie Hudson. Um, who's not in this episode, saving a buck, David Lynch. I get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> does it cost that much to have Ernie Hudson now? He cost some mint. <laughs> he was a ghostbuster. Uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, so, but he, he's talking to Carl Davis, and there, there's a funny bit where he says, I don't appreciate your language one bit. Uh, and then it turns out they were just talking about, uh, Buckhorn, South Dakota. Uh, and, uh, he is told to, to check in with Knox, who is the, uh, the lady from the Pentagon that is there with the body. Mm-hmm. And, um, he tell so Gordon tells Tammy to, to get the plane down. So then we come back to Double Cooper and yep. welcome to the show, Tim Roth. Yeah. About fucking time. Right. Uh, and Doppel Cooper is, uh, like, Hey, what the hell's going on here? And, uh, they're like, well, there's, uh, this place is owned by some farmers, but they're asleep. And then Chantel, AKA Jennifer Jason Lee shows up and is like, Hey, you know, we need to get you patched up. But he also asks for uh, a couple of clean phones and, uh, and a gun. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Chantel almost fucks him, which is kind of fun. Well, yeah, and uh, Tim Roth kind of, yeah, they want a shot, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, what, what I love about Tim Roth's entry into into Twin Peaks is that um, Tim Roth went to the David Bowie School of American Accents, um, where he really doubled down and mastered that that weird. Clearly, I am an Englishman doing an American accent and not very well accent. Um, yeah, I don't know what was going on with that. <laughs> his accent's pretty horrible. Yeah, but it, it's kind of hilariously over the top, too. It's it, yeah, I'm, which, I'm on board which with I like. It. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Twin Peaks. It's Twin Peaks, so why not? Um, so it's yeah, like so... if he were doing an impression of Tim Blake Nelson from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so what we what we can establish here is that uh, Double Cooper, you know, has been around for a while. Uh, Tim Roth is apparently one of his henchmen that he calls on from time to time, and Tim Roth is kind of like a, he's he's a fixer. He fixes, you know, he fixes double uh, uh, Double Cooper up with whatever he needs: guns, cars. Uh, you know, women and all the rest. And what I love um, about this end sequence is that, um, you know, you don't trust a double Cooper. I don't know if you know that, but you know, well, as a rule, never trust a double Cooper, especially if you've just released him from prison. Because when he says that you'll never hear from him again and you'll be safe, that's not true, Mr. Warden Man. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. Uh... He's, he's like, I love how he's like that, you know. Um, you know, uh, they're like, you know, but I want you to take him out. And he's like, I can do it, you know, before he goes into work, after he finishes work, you know, like, in like basically anywhere, but he needs to go, he needs to go now. Um, and yeah, so that's what you get for being a bad warden, Mr. Warden Man. Yep. Uh, I, I like the, the fact that uh, he gives Hutch the instruction of like, you need to kill him in the next two days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or more appropriately, Hutch, you need to kill him in the next two days. And then he says, uh, he's got a pair in Vegas. Uh and I'll yeah, and then Hutch is like, hey there, give him a wet one. Uh yeah. which is a great way to describe any kiss. Um so but yeah, before he, he uh takes off. He uses uh, one of the phones and does some beep boop shit with it, some Twin Peaks tech, and then uh, then literally blows the phone away with a shotgun. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, he's keeping safe. That's good. And so anyway, then we're on the plane where uh, Gordon is telling Diane, breaking the news, like, hey, we're going down in, in uh, Fuck Brick. And... <laughs> She she has a great line where she says, fuck you, Gordon. I want to go home. Um, but she guesses that it is a blue rose case. Yeah. And then asks for more smugglers to take with her on the road, which <laughs> I also appreciate. Um, she notices that her cell phone is blocked. Mm -hmm. uh, but Tammy's fancy phone is ringing, though. And... Uh, she like Tammy goes to get Gordon who has very wisely gotten more booze for Diane because she doesn't look like she's holding shit together too well and is about to go off on somebody like Diane's not going to internalize that that's coming out yeah, uh, yeah definitely and <laughs> uh and then Warden Murphy uh who is still alive at this point uh tells him that Doppelcooper's escaped uh and Gordon is very rightly pissed about this <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. You had one job, Warden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your job, like, you guaranteed. Oh, anyway. Is it better, like, you had one job, which, in the case of this, was your actual job. <laughs> That's your job as Warden, is to make sure no one escapes from the prison. So when I said you had one job to do, it wasn't on top of your current job, it was actually just to do your job. Yeah, and... He does have the pretty great line. Coop flew the coop. That's right. 
It's pretty great. <laughs> oh, David Lynch. Oh. <laughs> yeah, dad jokes aplenty. Um, yep. So, meanwhile, Duncan, mm-hmm. let's uh, head over and see what Thurgy is is doing. <laughs> um. Oh wait, one one quick point. We all we do need to point out that there is a phone call made to the dude in Vegas, the one who's got yes. the office and is real creepy. Um and he asks, "Did you do it?" Uh Doppel Cooper asks him this and he says, "Uh not yet." And cuz this is the guy who, you know, hired Ike the Spike and Ike yada, yada. the Spike. Yeah. And Ike the Spike got owned. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um uh, <laughs> and <laughs> And Double Cooper says, better be done the next time I call. And then, so he picks up the phone and then asks for Roger. And then we cut away from that guy. But anyway, so at the Las Vegas Police Department, on the other hand, uh, the the cops are questioning uh, Thurgy's boss about <laughs> the murder attempt. Yeah. And uh, and he, he explains kind of why Thurgy is the way he is. Yeah, which, and why no one's no one is questioning anything, which I, yeah. I, I imagine gave you a bit of a sigh of relief. Yeah, finally, nine episodes in, <laughs> nine episodes in, you're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, nine, nine hours into this TV show, uh, you now have an explanation. <laughs> so before he came to work at the Lucky Seven, twelve years before, about the time that he multiplicityed out of uh doppelcooper or whatever oh that's exactly what happened sure oh th- this, is, this is michael keaton <laughs> all over again this is this is the one that's like hey steve yeah <laughs> and so <laughs> so Durgy gets in a car accident uh 12 years before and and bushnell describes it as there were lingering effects yeah and every now and again something just happens. old just can't get it together and yeah. on his way out he tells Thurgy to take the rest of the day off and he's like look we got to get to work the next day you go home get some rest meanwhile the cops david kickner and crew are yeah, love these guys it. yeah they're pretty great yeah, uh, you know what i love about this is the fact that these could be the out with um our, our blue rose squad um this is the first proper portrayal of competent police officers um in twin peaks as a show yeah because i mean they're trying to put two and two together i mean as much as they got kind of cowed by uh by Dergy's wife uh mm-hmm. in the in the previous episodes you know they're like they're asking the right questions yeah and one of the things that they discover is that there is no record of Thurgy Jones after or before 1997. And so they think that he might be in witness protection. Mm-hmm. And so they're, and David Kegner says, Hey, I, I got a guy I know at the justice department. I'll run it by him and see if that's the case. Um, and anyway, I, I, I like the fact that, uh, Janie does not seem pleased to see all these people laughing together. No. Um, <laughs> Which is like any time. She doesn't like any sort of. She doesn't like shenanigans. Not at all, and especially when it comes to you know Thurgy and police, and because you know she knew that he was into some shit uh, with all the the gambling and whatnot, and they're still sitting on a stack of money. Let's not forget. Yep. Uh, at any rate, for Sunny Jim. For Sunny Jim. 
And uh, anyway, so Kegner says he has an idea and he takes Dargy some coffee mm-hmm. who still doesn't quite know how to drink it yet. <laughs> it's still, he's got it around the cup a little bit <laughs> before he could latch on like a mother's nipple. <laughs> he's got a what? I dare. I just dare. <laughs> that's how it goes and <laughs> he's got dirt <laughs> oh, so, uh, hello hello I, no I'm sorry I can't I can't come into work today I've, I think I'm coming down with a, a really bad case of dirt <laughs> I, I'm telling you I get in my car I'm gonna right into another car <laughs> And I think it's contagious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it's> so amazing. <laughs> oh. All right. So, uh, so while Dargy is trying to figure out how to drink coffee, they, they've wisely grabbed the cup and they've got his prints now. Yeah. And they also have uh, located Ike the Spike because they identified him from the literal palm. Uh, not just palm print, uh, on the on the gun. Yeah, and then we close in on Dougie, who is just staring at the American flag while the anthem softly plays. Mm-hmm. And then a pretty lady walks by, and Dougie gets all fixated on her shoes. Then to the electrical outlet, Duncan. Yeah, where we hear static. Yeah. Pretty great. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, once again, uh, this show is just amazing. <laughs> it's like, uh, the, oh, we, you, I would love to be a fly in the, of the, I'd like to be a fly in the wall of David Lynch's creative brain. Cause like, even when he's been at his most goofy, he's still connecting things together that just feel like genius, like genius, like actual genius. Like the composition of all these shots running each other is just genius. Um. Yeah. Like, here's a good question for you, though. Now, now that we're at you know in the nine hour mark, I am not getting Dougie fatigue. Um, but I remember reading from a lot of people online saying that they were getting Dougie fatigue. Are you getting Dougie fatigue? Uh, no, no, not at all. No, I think he's a gr- I think he's a great fucking character. And yeah, I do miss Agent Cooper. Uh, and I'm kind of hoping that he will arrive at some point. But at the moment, n- nine hours in with Dougie, I've, I've, like Dougie is a rich gold mine of of comedy. And at the same time, in fact, he's like the emotional core of this show. At the moment, I feel sad for him. I laugh at him. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, he's a badass. You know, accidentally, um, yeah, love this character. Speaking of questions, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Court Pisiops asks uh, us, how would, how would James and Dougie, I've even been on that show now, uh, how would James and Dougie debate whether or not someone uh, looks like Laura? Oh. Then he added, would John Justice Wheeler mediate this conversation? Then, re- then further asked, what would David Lynch's direction of the scene be like? I'm and, starting to see a pattern here, Bo. <laughs> and then finally, fuck it, can I get a ton of impressions from Bo? I, I want to say I, I was thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And this is a real shoddy attempt, but I think I can make all this happen 
in about six lines. Oh, go for it. All right. You're gonna negotiate how Laura looks like Laura. Go. Mm. James. How does someone look like Laura? Well, they... Like, Laura looks like Laura, so if you look like her, then you look like Laura. It's easy. Oh, easy like Sunday morning. <laughs> Dougie. Bear. Dougie wins. Cut! And that's it. <laughs> Oh, I'll, I'll be honest. I got a wee bit misty-eyed when uh, I heard James's voice. <laughs> takes me takes me back to 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 wackier days on Twin Peaks, Bo. Oh, certainly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would argue this is not as wacky as season two. Um, I don't. Yeah, it's not as wacky as season two, but uh, like if you've been listening to what we've described, it is infinitely wackier than season two it's just this is a season this is a season this is how you do wacky with david lynch and that's what season two needed was that wacky content had it been in the hands of david lynch um it would have been handled a bit better so yeah but then we wouldn't have had season three so fuck that um yeah so where are we going after dougie's electric uh we go to the parking lot uh where we are looking at uh a tail light uh in in one of the cars uh before they head off to the motel where ike uh is holed up and he is leaving a message for jt which is no cigar taking medical leave but the cops greet him in the hall their guns drawn, Duncan. Almost hawk like. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I needed. Um, Ike and and Ike just kind of groans. It's just like, oh, it's, you it's, got me. So, yeah, it's like this badass, like stabby criminal with his ice pick is ultimately captured, and it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's a real oh, kind of almost scooby dude you got me um yeah oh so so funny so anyway over at the twin peak sheriff department uh mm-hmm. lucy is shopping for chairs and ottomans duncan because yep. furniture is important and it's very important both. boy we burned some calories for her to tell andy that she loves the beige <laughs> chair but he likes the red chair. Yep. And this is, I, I assume, for the study uh, that they are uh, working on now that Marlon Brando is yep. leaving home for good. <laughs> it's not Marlon Brando. It's, uh, what was his name again? Oh, fuck. Uh, what fuck. was his name? Wally. 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 Wally, Wally Brando. Brando. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wally <laughs> Brando. Fucking How? greatest cameo. Greatest cameo in the history <laughs> of TV. It's just a fucking amazing, honestly. Oh, this show. Lewis and Clark were the first Caucasians to cross North America. 
Yeah, oh, it's the best. <laughs> Andy caves uh, on the beige chair. By the way, uh, yeah. for listeners at home, don't want you to be on pins and needles on that one. Beige chair, it is. <laughs> um, Bobby shows up at home uh, with with Frank. Bobby yep. Briggs, hey, uh, hey, yo. <laughs> hey, I'm with Frank over here. He's the other sheriff Truman. Over here. Um, and, and Miss Briggs kind of knows what's up when, when they show up. Yeah. And she says after Agent Cooper left, let's get into some mythology, Duncan. Yeah. Let's break this motherfucker wide open ball. Yeah. We're about to crack some eggs on knowledge folks. Um, (laughs) so after Agent Cooper left, Garland pulled her aside and said that Bobby Hawk Truman uh, and I guess that's it. Would <laughs> sorry, I got excited. Would come and ask her about Cooper, and she says he's he squeezed her shoulders as as he told her, uh, but then he wouldn't say any more. Yeah, and he says when they come to ask you about Agent Cooper, you give them this, and then she asks them to come with her, and then she tells them to watch the chair. Yeah, this is fucking. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's like James Bond shit. So she hits a button, and out pops a secret hidey hole, mm-hmm. out of which she gives them uh, a metal cylinder. Yes. And then, Duncan, mm-hmm. they all have coffee. They, well, yeah. Yeah. I, I love there's there's like a degree of... The, there's there's quite a lot that I like about this scene. Uh, most notably, the fact that uh, Mrs. Briggs says that the major always knew that Bobby would grow up right. He knew that he would get through his troubles and he would grow up to be, you know, like, he would grow up to be a man. You know, like a respected, you know, hardworking, good man. Um, Which, like, we we have travelled, we have trolled through uh, the exploits of one Mr. Bobby Briggs. um, Hey, I'm an angel over here. I never murdered nobody. Drug running murderer uh, that it was is now you know allegedly. Allegedly, well, yeah. <laughs> and saying that unreliable witness um, in the in the, the old uh, Laura Palmer diaries, and that and that she was drugged out of tits. So maybe he didn't kill the person. He totally killed the person. Um, but yeah, so he he knew he would turn out well. Yeah, we turn it to 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 be a good man. Um, and what what I love about this as well is that they they give him a bit of metal, and this bit of metal, like it shades of um, it shades of season two and the the kind of code box that um, see you next Tuesday gets from um, this character. Uh oh, geez, David Warner, who was uh, so it was Packard, and what was the other one? Packard and uh, Warren? Was Bell? It? No, it wasn't. I don't know. Well, it, I'll I'll yeah. I'll cut into the show so it'll be like you know, Avil Horrington, <laughs> or I'll just leave that name in. I don't know. That may be just as good. Evil Horrington. <laughs> That's the greatest name ever. <laughs> Also, the word that was mentioned in my horoscope this morning. Weird. You, you, you decide. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, like, remember when they broke through all those boxes 
like ultimately what they had was a like a bit of metal <laughs> like this metal thing that didn't have any obvious opening and we'll get into how they open it later on but it's, it's kind of very it's very very similar in that in in twin peaks in david lynch's world there is no like master you know like i need to crack the code to decipher a thing you just have to hit it really fucking hard or shit break it to get into it i love that about him he's, he's a very clever man that way but yeah so we we know that um this once again speaks to the fact that uh major briggs time traveled we're already kind of aware of that um from the fact that his body has appeared in the future um, and not aged uh but yeah so so this is, this is a nice touching little scene because once again we're filling in some major Briggs a character that both me and you really like. Um, we're we're getting a bit more of his importance out with his floating head in space. Um, so yeah, it's cool. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I like it a lot. Also like the fact that she said, um, you know, uh, you would say that you know Bobby and Hawk and uh, you know and Truman would be here, but obviously it must be you, a different Truman. Um, because he never went to that. I just said, you know, Sheriff Truman would be here, of course. He is Sheriff Truman. He's just a different Truman. Yeah, I, and I, I, like I, I'm with you on on this scene being kind of a nice bit of a, a bit of closure. Because there was the bit at the end of season two where you know, as you mentioned, the the colonel has that like I have this vision of you, Bobby, yeah. and and now we see it come to pass, and it's really yeah. nice. Um, but. Meanwhile, Duncan at Snort Rip, South Dakota, <laughs> uh, not Knox is leading everyone into the morgue except for Diane, who is just too busy being awesome to get, follow. Yeah, uh, she ain't going nowhere. There's a great moment where she starts to light up a cigarette, <laughs> and someone points out to her the no smoking sign, and she just shouts. It's a fucking morgue. Morgue, yeah. It's amazing. Oh, it's so good. Uh, before we leave her, though, she has her phone, and she finally has a signal, mm-hmm. and is l- sending a message to someone, uh, mm-hmm. and the message is, around the dinner table, the conversation is lively. Mm-hmm. Which is a cool-ass message. That's a great code. Uh, yeah. Everything Diane, is, Diane does is just amazing. I, just, I want a Diane spinoff of just yep. Diane doing Diane shit. It, it could happen. We don't know. Oh, that would we be so don't good. know. So, so yeah. So she she has a. Are we taking any guesses? I mean, you would think it might be Philip Jeffries. Maybe, but then I was thinking that Doppelcoop did something before he shot his phone. That's true, although, huh, why would she be working with Doppelcooper? I mean, she knows it's not Cooper. Mm. Hmm. All right. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. All I'm going to, all I'm thinking at the moment is that there's something going on between those two. Have you been watching ahead, you son of a bitch? Do you know something nope. I don't? All I right. literally, literally have. In fact, I have painfully, like, I watched these episodes three weeks ago so I'm, I'm recalling all of this from memory but um at the time i thought hmm potential doppelkoop so I've, I've, I'm, I'm now in limbo i've watched as far as episode 10 so, all right um 
Yeah, it just it, it sprung to me that he did something we didn't see what it was, and then he shot the phone. She receives a text message from an unknown, comes up as, you know, no name, you know, unknown contact, and when she opens it, that's the message that's written in there, and that feels like a bit of a doppelgoop thing. Although, Jeffries is definitely in the mix. Yes, I, I that would be where I put my money, but... Mm. Um, so... They they go to uh, check out the body of uh, of uh, Briggs, and yep. Albert gets the uh, the rundown and is typically snarky. And yes. while Constance shows Constance uh, shows them the body, and they talk about that William uh, Hastings, who we will get back to in a moment. Yeah, remember that guy? <laughs> right, remember Matthew Lillard is in this show. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that he had uh, a blog about an alternate dimension. This is the fucking greatest thing ever. This is like th- this is when I thought to myself, I wasted my life, <laughs> <laughs> fucking wasted my life podcasting. Why the fuck did I not have this blog page? It. So the blog concludes with we got <laughs> in the zone and met the major. Uh-huh. It's the fucking greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh, feels good, Duncan. That feels real good. Yeah. Uh, so Gordon uh, then like steals Albert and and in typical Gordon fashion says, "Let's think out loud." And <laughs> which in Gordon's case means really loud, right? But they're making the connection between Cooper's reappearance and the body of uh, Briggs showing up. And also, you know, we're reminded that they found the the ring in his stomach. Yep. And Gordon says that they need then to speak with William Hastings. Remember <laughs> Matthew Lillard. Yeah. So before, <laughs> <That guy. laughs> before we can get to that, though, because that's kind of where we're going to end the show. Um, <laughs> what? Like orgasm? <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of. It's pretty great. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but we yes. we so we have to cut back to Jerry in Twin Peaks, who is still out in the woods. And in one of the weirder things, which is a word we haven't used in a while, but it is all too appropriate. His foot tells him it is not his foot. foot. I am not your foot. <laughs> So he grabs it, and it doesn't seem to want to move, so he yells, go away, and then grabs his foot and falls down. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it is a bit of an odd scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just just a, yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like when you're like... like <laughs> This is what I love about the show, right? I keep saying this sentence. This is what I love about the show, but this is genuine what I love about the show. We've just literally heard about Matthew Lillard's card, uh, character having a, a blog in which he travelled to a different dimension and met the major, right? And you're like that. That is fucking cosmic, mind blowing, huge bombshell. And then the next scene is weirder. This <laughs> guy, his foot's fucking talking to him. It's just. Like, <laughs> That, yeah, that's not as weird as the show gets, this episode. 
the last episode was much weirder. It's like the next scene is like lunches like that. You shrug your You thought that was weird. You've not seen nothing yet. You know what would be funny? Uh, yeah. So then, oh, oh, man, then we're back at the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department where lunch breaks are breaking out all over. And Lucy's on her lunch break. Chad's eating in the goddamn conference room. Fuck you, Chad. Oh, fuck you. In fact, there is a, a pretty amazing fuck you, Chad coming up here. <laughs> there yeah there is <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's such a <laughs> it's such a fucking awesome hawk move uh, <laughs> yeah like because <laughs> the sheriff is like get back to me. Oh. the the sheriff is like uh hey man get the fuck out of here and Chad's like, what? I, I mean, everybody's eating lunch in here. And finally, Sheriff Truman is just like, Chad, get the fuck out of here. And <laughs> so so, that is like, well, you guys have donuts and stuff yeah, like that in here. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, so he <laughs> gathers up his lunch very slowly. And it's filling his hands and even his mouth and everything. Uh, uh, or his arms. He can't reach for nothing. And he walks to the door. And Hawk is standing right next to the door. <laughs> Yeah, goddamn right. Chad's lucky he didn't end up with a knife in his back. Um, yeah. But uh, so Chad goes, "Hey, little help here," <laughs> and Hawk gives him a long five count of just staring him down and being like, "You piece of shit!" You can see the look in his eyes. <laughs> And then uh, Hawk finally gets the door, but you can tell that he is all but kicking him through it. Um, That's fucking amazing. That's so, so good. Oh, it was great. Um, So Bobby opens up the window, and Hawk and the sheriff are trying to get this cylinder open. And Bobby's grinning. And he's like, I know how to open this. Hey, (laughs) that's one of them cylinders. My dad got for me all the time. I know how to open that. Over here. Over here. <laughs> and he's like, hey, we got to go outside over here. So uh, like, they've been in that room for less than 30 seconds after kicking Chad out and then walk out the room. Which is fucking amazing. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Chad. Uh, I hope he ate on the floor. <laughs> I've got sepsis. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, so they go outside with this metal tube, this yep. metal cylinder. And he goes, hey, I've got to throw it at the ground over here. Yeah, like, you think, like, once again, you would think there's going to be some mystery to it. And there really isn't. You fuck it off the ground, and it emits a humming tone. And when it emits that humming tone, it means that if you fuck it off the ground again, it'll open. That is literally the code to open it. It's fucking brilliant. It's like, once again, this is like, like, David Lynch just don't care about that. He's like, that, right? Oh, it's a mysterious container whatever you just break it and open it let's move on to the next scene right they uh, shot the I, I last one think open. It's amazing. yeah yeah it's absolutely brilliant however there is something inside this cylinder bowl there is it is a note duncan mm-hmm. uh and the the note says 253 yards east of jack rabbit's place yes. and it points to two days from now and the day after and Bobby says he knows where Jack Rabbit's place is. 
because he gave that place its name. Hey, I named it over here. Over here. Hey, it's my old stomping ground. I know them guys. Jimmy the Rabbit, Jack the Squirrel. Oh, I'll take you. It's great over here. So they plan. I know I reversed the names. You don't have to point that out. It's but... a, a badger two times. I'll get the peepers, get the peepers. Yeah. Um... Hey, Petey Porcupine. You got that money you owe me, motherfucker? Uh, this motherfucker. Um, hey, yeah, spider. Like... No, really, a real spider over here. Shit, spider's fit. Uh, yeah, I look like a clown to you, spider. My time usual. A fucking clown over here. Uh, <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> uh, but yeah, so we find out that um, Jack Rabbit's place is actually up at um, the Major's station. Which is up on top of whatever hill it is or mountain. I can't remember. It's a hill um, located above Twin Peaks. Now, once again, linking back to the secret history of Twin Peaks, the secret world, sorry, of of, of Twin Peaks. Um, this is all mentioned very much towards the end. That this was the the station where one of the the brothers, whose name escapes me now, um, worked there as an officer. Kind of looking with a watchful eye over the events that happened in Twin Peaks and Gate, handed over to the Major who you basically groomed for that role uh, and that was the Major's base of operations to, to keep a once again a watchful eye over Twin Peaks and all the weird occurrences and obviously he took Bobby up there when Bobby was a kid um, so he knows exactly where it is he knows exactly where it is and they know that it's two days away and they need to be there but Bo that is not all that is in that chip there's something else yes it is a, a a printout of a series of numbers uh much like we saw uh briggs bring to cooper uh yep, so long ago season, season one two? it was season one Fuck yeah sake. and uh except this time there it's cooper's name repeated mm-hmm. yeah two cooper Coopers. cooper yeah, and this to me is a bit clumsily kind of handled because they're like two Coopers. Wait one second, are there two Coopers? Like Hawk makes that jump pretty quick. So in South Dakota, Duncan, uh, we have a, a an interlude outside where Diane is having a smoke, and no one says anything for a long, long time. Classic and, lunch. Yeah, Classic they're just kind of hanging out, and uh, then. Gordon uh, takes a drag mm-hmm. and hands it back to Diane. That's kind of just this little moment of like, hey, well, let's make a little piece. Yeah, there's a, there's also an implication here that Albert may have found a click. A little romantic spark bow. Ah, uh, you interactions. know. The interactions were playful earlier on with Constance. So, um, and he's in there working with her right now. We're speaking about Albert, of course, who's making a little time. That'll uh, pay off later. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's now time for Tammy to go interrogate Hastings. uh, Yeah. uh, Our our friend friend Matthew Lillard. And he's a weeping mess. Yeah, yeah, because he's been in prison for nine episodes. Um. (laughs) And and kind of bop-possessed? Yeah. Is it? Is he? Is he? Or something? 
I mean, there's some, you know, BLS around this guy. Although I yeah. guess now if we've gained the attention of uh, uh, of the Black Lodge because of what we're about to find out, um, mm-hmm. then maybe that accounts for all the weird shit going on in and around his cell. Yeah. Plus, since the last time we saw him as well, it's not just that, you know, he thinks his wife may have set him up. Um because she was very, very cruel, and he, he knew that she was having an affair. He was having an affair, but he knew that she was having an affair with the lawyer. Since then, she was murdered by Double Coop, but that's been pinned on the lawyer. So, yeah, since the last time I saw him, shit's went down. Like his love, his his love, the librarian is dead in a pretty gruesome way, as in her head was chopped off and her body disappeared. And then, to further compound that, his other love of his life, his wife, has been brutally murdered by what it would appear to be potentially the lawyer. So, yeah. I th- And he's been in prison for a while, and we haven't seen him in a bit. And what I've realised is, Matthew Lillard, this is why you get this guy in here, because when it comes to, like, over-the-top, crazy blubbering messes, no one does it quite as good as Matthew Lillard. Yeah, he's kind of great here. And it, it's he's it's yeah. It's like one notch down from you know, you got to stab me, you know, from scream. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you come too deep on getting woozy over here. <laughs> oh, my dad's going to be so pissed. <laughs> um <laughs> So, Tammy is is asking him about the the blog, which is called The Search for the Zone. And about this different dimension. And yep. in particular, the line, we met the major. Yeah. And uh, and he says uh, that they they did, in fact, cross over into this other dimension. He does a lot of reading, he says. And they've been investigating this. And that they they got to this place, which we can assume to be lodge adjacent, if not one of the lodges. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, we met the major and that the major was hiding or hibernating. And the major asked for important numbers, uh, coordinates, and that these coordinates were written on Ruth's hand. Mm -hmm. And then he says that others came in and pushed him down and asked who his wife was. And I wonder if the others weren't our lumber ghosts or something. Got a light. Right, something. Who's your wife? <laughs> uh, anyway, so they uh, Tammy shows him a bunch of pictures and says, okay, can you point out who you think you met? And sure enough, he points out Major Briggs. And he says, then uh, the Major got the numbers, and then his head floated away. <laughs> Which makes sense, Duncan. Yeah. Because that is the same ghostly major head that we saw way back when uh, Cooper escaped the Black Lodge and was just floating around in non-existence or whatever and saw the major's head. Which, if memory serves, said... (laughs) That's exactly what it said. And... Uh, but he said that, uh, Matthew Lillard or Hastings says that the head said, 
Cooper, Cooper. And then he says, it was beautiful. And then he says, uh, he woke up, Ruth was dead, he's holding her. And then wakes up and he's in his home again. And he says, the Major didn't kill Ruth, but there were so many people there. Mm-hmm. And then there's a great... <laughs> A great point where as he's crying, as he's relating the story about the death of Ruth, he says, we were going to go to the Bahamas. (laughs) It's pretty fantastic. So, so when the major's head floated off and he said, Cooper, Cooper, are we led to believe that that was the signal picked up by the major some 27 years earlier? Uh, or 25 years earlier, on his bit of paper, which he's attached to the the note that he left for his son, Bobby Briggs, over here? I mean, you got to think so over here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think that's a reasonable interpretation. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, but again, this is all that Lynchian logic. It It doesn't seem that strange to me when I watch it. Oh no! Like to me, if anything, I'm like that. Over that explains the Cooper Cooper. It, right, it explains the head. Yeah, it explains the head as well. Right. Two boards, one stone. Excellent, tick tick. Right. Well, well done. One can only assume Mark Frost. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm even going to go one step further and say that I'm actually surprised that this ties up two loose ends. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but you know, I, like Twin Peaks doesn't give you what you want; it just gives you what you need. Um. At the Great Northern, Duncan, shall we yes. shall we have some sexy times? Let's let's go for the sexy times. All right. So at the Great Northern, Ben and Beverly are still hunting for this tone that they can't, they still can't figure out. Like security has looked, they can't find nothing, and uh, we get a little, you know, closer as they're mm-hmm. talking, and Ben's, you know tucking a little hair behind Beverly's ear and then it's a caress and then uh, she says he's a good man which is also kind of a nice character not I guess arc in a lot of ways because his struggle was always to be a good person well that's how we left him wasn't it we left him at the end of season two committing himself to being a good person yeah and it's yeah, it's really nice. And and also, I mean, poor Ashley Judd, we know what she's got waiting for her at home. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, what a depressing situation. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, Ben's being a good guy. Like, he hasn't been gross with her or anything. So, well done. Slow play, Ben. I like it. Um, <laughs> feels like a Baz line. Slow play. Um, <laughs> softly, softly catchy monkey. That's right. <laughs> uh see that's someone i wish i could just channel at will uh anytime i'm at the bank or something <laughs> it uh, as a in, a in a minor spoiler and off point here which will make sense in the context of uh baz v halloween which we're currently doing on podcast under the stairs um <laughs> like we were describing like character dynamics and Baz had said that he believed that one character was the dom in the relationship the woman over the guy it's very much the dom and he's like, I was like oh yeah a, a bit of dom a bit of you know, you know a bit of power play and then Baz was like yeah setting up for a bit of a pegging 
which was a term that I had never come across, right? <laughs> right, I'd never come across it, but being the, the worldly person that I am, I pretty much put two and two together and got four. So I was like, that is that like a like a strap on thing? And he was like that, yeah. It's like when it's like you know, he's his anus is gonna be invaded by her a uh, black rubber third reich. And I was like that, oh my god, I was like it's, it's kinda like the Warsaw ghetto. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> the images that he paints, I swear to God. Oh, Oh my god. Black <laughs> all right, rubber all right. third rake. Hey, hey, you uh, sold the ticket. Go. All right. Uh <laughs> someone that was already there. Sure. Um, sure. So... um all right. So we think we're gonna cut over to the Great Northern for uh not the Great Northern, but the Roadhouse for our closing musical number. Uh-huh. But instead it's uh it is kind of that, but it's also two girls, Chloe and Ella, uh talking. And one of them's got this nasty rash she can't get rid of. Uh, my notes say, once more, the corruption of youth, Duncan. I'm yeah, an ooh. active viewer. Um, uh, one- my my non-notes, uh, my mental notes, were, could be side effects from new drug. That could be as well. And they both look pretty strung out. They do not Yeah, and one of them good. is constantly scratching at her arms, so... I thought could be side effects of new drug. Very nice. That's smarter than what I said. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, w- one of the the girls asked the other one uh, if she's seen the penguin. And uh, I don't know what that's about, but of course, of yeah. course, of course, she did. <laughs> but all right, so but the show goes out on her scratching her rashy armpit. Before we cut to the honest to goodness musical number uh, in the episode, which yeah. is real weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I that, like this episode a lot. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I think we know that Doppel Cooper is still actively trying to kill uh, the warden and and Dergy and everyone. <laughs> He's trying try to kill everyone. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Just a, a, a mad, like, godfather-like reckoning. Uh, yeah, what I love as well is if he's not killing someone, he's threatening to kill someone if they don't kill someone. Uh, which... <laughs> so, yeah, why not? It's pretty good. That's, that's a real Manson kind of move. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it is mythology-heavy for sure. Like the revelation yes. that William Hastings was in on the Black Lodge, that he had gotten this message from uh, Major Briggs, that are are kind of heroes of the show in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, Hawk, Hawk and Bobby Briggs over here and Sheriff Truman are on the, the trail of the lodges. Like they're on the way to an understanding of what's really going on as well. Mm-hmm. And the question then, Duncan, is does this narrative thread hold up or do we have more nuclear explosions to go into? Yeah, I, 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 I well, we know the answer. And um, if the listeners are playing the game correctly, the listeners will now know the answer. And hopefully no more on answers beyond this point. Dear listeners, play along with us. Don't watch more than you need to. Um, and we have episode number 10, which means, Bo, 
that after this episode, there are only eight hours of Twin Peaks left. Right. We are we are Ever. even Stevens right now, Duncan. There are nine episodes ahead of us, nine episodes behind us. Yep. And so let's do a question. Oh. Uh, Darren Wilson asks us, was it just me thinking that the, that Spike the Spike kind of looked like Vin Diesel, but, you know, smaller? <laughs> uh, I think that's totally accurate. With the little soul patch, sure. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to his new franchise of action movies, um, an X and a half, um, which is a very witty joke, and I can clearly see that you did not get it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't... I, I haven't watched that many... <laughs> you, you, uh, you're right. Diesel movies. They had a, they had, remember, he has that movie Triple X. I thought that was and Ice Cube. No, Ice Cube came in in the second movie. Oh, the first movie right. was Vin Diesel. <laughs> sure. So. All right. That seems dumb. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, to me, the obvious choice of replacing Vin Diesel is with Ice Cube. I mean, the the two are like put them in a line. Interchangeable. How, how would I? <laughs> Ever. Diesel suspects. Uh, right. <laughs> you think, do you think Vin Diesel is Kaiser Susie? <laughs> I think it's more more of a uh, um, Dead Ringer scenario. Just like where, where Ice Cube has Vin Diesel all drugged out on a table with his collection of weird instruments. <laughs> just had this like vision of uh, you know <laughs> like Vin Diesel being verbal kint um, and uh, after after all these horrible for- performances in the Fast and Furious movies he actually walks outside his leg straightens up normally he relaxes a bit more and it turns out that he is actually a good actor underneath all that not good acting yeah uh, you know let's he's not, not, good, uh, actor. He's not let, good actor no yeah, I mean you're right but let's let's not kick the man while he's down um, kick him, <laughs> kick him. Uh, Dave Burke asks us: These are rapid fire, Duncan. How much of Lynch oh. do you see in Stranger Things? Um, I see Lynch in pretty much every TV show post the second season of Twin Peaks. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a visual style there for sure. Yeah, I don't think narratively speaking, it's much. There's much in the way of of Twin Peaks. I think it owes Stranger Things owes to different source material, but I think, um. Yeah, in terms of without you know without Twin Peaks without David Lynch you wouldn't have Stranger Things. So. Uh, Darren Wilson also asks us how did Dougie Pliskin lose the use of his eye, rogue hooker nipple or something else? Uh, <laughs> and there was a picture of, of course, uh, Dougie Pliskin. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, how wouldn't he lose an eye? Quite frankly. Yeah. Like, if it weren't a, a rogue hooker nipple, what else? Uh, like, just any random thing that he ran across. There. He, was playing, he was playing a game of Angry Pirate. You know, <laughs> do that. Uh, all right, one one last one. Dave Bates asks us, who would win in an arm wrestling match, Jason Voorhees or Doppelcooper? Oh, oh, Jason Voorhees. Yeah, yeah. I think once you get into them, Jason X movies. You like yeah, you know the greatest thing about listening to the most recent Devour of the podcast was hearing you declare your undying love for Jason X. It's it's better than it has any right. Also, there. also you sit there going that yeah, uh, Cherry Falls feels like a kind of on some levels it's a bit of a giallo and I'm like that. Oh for fuck's sake, boy, really? It kind of is. It. I love it. No, I totally. Hey, listen, nothing makes me happier than sitting, I felt, I felt like a proud dad who was sending his child off to university. I was sitting there going, like, 
Today my bow has become a man. He's referencing Jallo. I was yeah, I, I, I was overjoyed. But now I can't talk about it anymore because every time I mention it, somebody gives me shit. So back well, to the bear movies it, it is. It's because you give everyone shit for talking about it I, for years. Yeah, that's it's fair. It's fair. In a world gone mad. As you know, the Doomsday Clock is a symbolic clock face analogizing humankind's proximity to extinction. One man must fight to survive on the global junkie of the future. You maniacs! You blew it up! Ah, damn you! God damn you all to hell! Which versus the Doomsday Clock is that man's story. His search for entertainment is transmitted across time and space for your listening pleasure on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and your Android device. This podcast is not fit for human consumption. Some effects include laughter, concern, nausea, vomiting, and blame for more artifices. The producers accept our responsibility for any side effects, or a different kind of mind cause. My effect guarantees worth nothing. Zero, 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 uh, overall, no sausage. In short, you get nothing. Nothing. Good day, sir. All right. <laughs> Uh, back to Twin Peaks, Duncan. Uh, episode 10. Uh, this one, uh, begins in an old barn, uh, and, and a mobile home because, uh, Dirtbag Richard, uh, Richard Horn shows up at the teacher's mobile home. Uh, Miriam, her name is the lady who couldn't, what, what couldn't afford the pies. Yeah. Poor Miriam. Poor, poor Miriam. Uh, but yeah, so he shows up at, at her joint and is like, uh, you know, hey, uh, what do you think you saw? And she's like, hey, I already told the police that you were the one driving the truck. And Richard loses his shit and busts in and we hear screams. Yeah, she says not, not only does she says that she has also mailed a letter to so she's not actually told them, but she has mailed a letter to them that they will receive. So there's nothing they can do to stop her. So like, it's not a case of you can shut her up now. She has written a letter, and that letter is posted, and it will make its way there, and it identifies him as the person responsible. And just when you think that this show has got maybe a bit more, it's kind of reined back on some of the pure terror. Um. This is how Lynch kicks off this episode, which is Richard Horner, who's easily one of the most malevolent characters. I mean, as much as we're talking about Doppelkoop, Doppelkoop's cool as fuck. You know what I mean? Part of me is quite excited when Doppelkoop's on the screen and he does his drawl and he, you know, he's, he's talking about who's going to take out and all the rest. Richard Horner is just a complete cunt. Um, like he, he is this season's See You Next Tuesday, uh, Richard Horner. And um, yeah, he breaks in. You know, I don't know how he immobilizes her, but he gets her on the ground anyway, and then sets fire to her trailer with her still in it, thus killing her. Um, and then makes a little phone call to his buddy. Fuck you, Chad. Yep. Uh, basically saying, listen, there is going to be a letter coming in there, and you have to intercept it. And Chad's fucking useless. Uh, well, like, oh, I don't, yeah. I'm going to get the letter if it comes in and all the rest. He's just like, no, you will make this happen. You will do this. Um, 
Right. For yeah. once in your life, Chad, do something for somebody. <laughs> pass the peas, Chad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Would you please pass the goddamn peas? Uh, pass the peas, Donna. <laughs> Donna. Peas. Pass them. I forgot about that. Tom. Pass the goddamn peas. Uh, anyways, I could do that literally all night. That's uh, the greatest thing ever. Will you just please pass the piece? God, that that is one of my favorite scenes in all of Twin Peaks. The most uncomfortable <laughs> dinner. The Hayward household. Shut up about Benjamin Horn and pass the goddamn piece, Donna. Peace. <laughs> how i deal with every conflict now <laughs> well your performance is really lagging at work will you pass the peas <laughs> beg of you <laughs> so that's amazing so yeah so so richard horn phones into chad anyway so chad's gonna try and intercept this letter before it makes his way to sheriff truman and then richard horn gets in his car and off he drives yeah, so we uh, we cut back to, God bless him, I feel like in some small way I, I was responsible, Duncan. Uh, we The Big Trout Trailer Park mm-hmm. and uh, one Harry Dean Stanton. God bless him. Uh, yeah, so... Too soon, and, Duncan. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember when he passed away. Has he passed away in the interim or have we already acknowledged that he passed away? I I feel like we have not because it seems to me that my last conversation about him on the show was to call him a dish rat come to life. <laughs> Which that's not how I want to leave it. Um, <laughs> hand to God. Like and the better yet to rub my face in it, Duncan. Harry Dean Stanton is singing Red River Valley. It's like one of the greatest scenes in Twin Peaks history. Here, this is this is like the epitome of why you get Harry Dean Stanton to do anything because he's just incredible. Oh, oh to, to have him sing me to sleep each night. So yeah, uh, he's singing his singing his song. You know, passing away the. He's kind of he's twilight years in the trailer park. Meanwhile, there's a bit of a commotion from one of the adjacent trailer parks and a mug, a coffee mug. One can only imagine, hopefully not full of coffee, because that's sacrilegious in Twin Peaks, uh, as the wasting of coffee gets hurtled out the window. Makes a little comment. Uh, bloody kids um, and then we jump inside the trailer and it is everyone's favourite Twin Peaks couple Bo uh, this this season's Shelley and um, Leo <laughs> uh, shades of Shelley and Leo which is kind of ironic in that this is the daughter of Shelley um, and, and our little buddy um, I can't even remember the name of these two characters now that has just literally went out of my head it is uh, Stephen and yes. uh, what is her name? Hold on, I'm working on it. Uh, oh, save the day. Up, up, up. What is Amanda Seyfried's name in this scene? <laughs> uh, hold on. <laughs> we'll cut all this out. Let's be fine. Let's be fine. You hear nothing. 
know this off the top of my head. Amanda Seyfried playing Rebecca, obviously. Yeah, Rebecca and Stephen. Yeah. Um, who who the last time we saw were high on I was going to say high on life, uh, but high on drugs, driving around very much in love. But turns out that money that they got from dear mummy from Shelley uh, that didn't last long. It's now gone, and um, Stephen might not be a nice person to be around when he doesn't have drugs. But yeah, he either that or like Caleb Lantry Jones, as we've discussed on the show is a great actor in that I hate seeing him on screen because of how terrible a person he is on the show. Yeah, but in every role. I've never seen this guy play a role which isn't 100% reprehensible. Yeah, and he's, like, getting real... Like, like he's clearly just losing his shit. Yeah. And, and he's like, no, you did. And you're like, eh, just stop talking and looking like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stop being you. Yeah, just everything that's happening here, I don't, I don't like. Um, <laughs> Stop being you and pass the peas. Um, sorry, I'm just going to keep using that's that's the theme for this this episode now. Pass, pass the peas. Speaking of <laughs> of peas and games, there are no peas. <laughs> uh, Candy, a 1920s saloon girl in pink. Oh, Candy is like, like. Does Twin Peaks has an exhaustive list of characters you just fall in love with. <laughs> you can literally just think they're like you, you have a small bit part here, yet you're just for for the next three minutes on screen, you are the most captivating thing I've ever seen. And Candy's amazing. <laughs> Candy in this whole episode. Oh, Candy needs a spin-off beside Diane. Candy and Diane start um solving crimes. Uh, I should I should Drunk. point out that uh, the um, candy spinoff was called for uh, by one of the listeners. Oh, you're uh, joking! No, no, no. Uh, on on your very own Facebook page, sir. Uh, and listeners, of course, if you would like to uh, participate in some of the questions and whatnot, you can go to the uh, podcast under the stairs uh, on Facebook or uh, over on Legion Podcast. Uh, but David Gallagher over there, uh, said Candy needs her own spinoff. I do like D- David Gallagher has finished Twin Peaks, um, and is a big fan. I d- I'm not aware of him listening to this show, but on the off chance he is. Hi, David. Yeah. Also, don't spoil nothing. I bet yep. you, I bet you shut your <laughs> mouth. Um, so <laughs> it's not, it's not nice at all. Thanks for listening. No. Um, <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if he listens. Uh, no evidence he listens. Well, then fuck you, David. I don't know why you're <laughs> making me go out of my way to cater to you. Um, but thanks for listening, <laughs> if you're listening. So, Candy is trying to kill a, a fly or a yep. bug, some sort of blind insect. And uh, one of our, uh, you know, kind of uh, low-level thugs, in this case, uh, Rodney. Rodney Mitchell. Yeah, what? Well, they're not, they're not low-level thugs. These guys are the owners of a casino. Um, so. And it looked like that great a casino. Anyway, but it's uh, Jim Belushi's <laughs> buddy. and Brother, brother. Brother. And yeah. uh, so Candy, in her effort to kill this bug, has, has swatted Rodney, a good one. Yeah, with a remote control right yeah. across his... Uh, as we would say in Scotland, right across his coupon. 
are right across his dish. Uh, right in the in the in the gipper, we say here. <laughs> that sounds like you just made that up, Paul. Nah, right in the gipper. <laughs> but it like <laughs> traditionally, there's a pause between the and gipper. Like people like it like that, and right. that's that's how I gave it to you initially. But yeah, right in the gipper. Uh, in Scottish slang, um, your face is uh, your coupon or or your dish. Uh, right in the puss is actually one. Right in the puss, no, I don't that's know, a pretty yeah. good one. That's that, a good one. That's a good like you know 1940s detective. I'm gonna hit him right in the puss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give him a good one in the puss. And if he's lucky, I'll stick around and give him another one in the puss. I don't know who this character is. We're going to retire him. Um, so. <laughs> anyway, Belushi runs in after uh, his brother gets smacked in the face by Candy with a remote control. And, and like, kind of talks him down from maybe giving her one in the puss. And... <laughs> And finally, Duncan, finally on this show, Dougie is getting a doctor's exam. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about time. And Ten hours and it peaks. <laughs> also, hey, Doc, he's had a dramatic weight loss, is in perfect shape, and that ain't the Dougie we know. Yep, the cholesterol's fine, you know, like, uh, blood pressure's amazing. It's, you know, yeah, this is not the Dougie, the we know both. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a bummer that at some point the doctor would be like, hey man, what's what's going on with your head, though? You don't seem to know stuff. Um, <laughs> describe to me a crayon. Uh, but none of that. So, but he's fine. And then we hop back to the Bunny Ranch for Gangsters. Where Candy is still crying for hitting Rodney. And yeah. he's in the position now where he's like, I'm Candy, I'm fine. It's okay. <laughs> and because Candy knows how to play this. And uh, so they're watching news and then they show the arrest of like the spike. Yeah. And there in the news report, Duncan, is none other than Turkey. Uh, they're Mr. <laughs> Jackpots. Yeah. And as excited as Rodney is about this, Candy still inconsolable. Yeah, she's she is heartbroken. Maybe should we should we make any attempt to describe the outfits? Because there are three girls. Yeah, so th th they're weirdly dressed in kind of nineteen fifties era sort of. The way I describe it is the sort of prom dresses you would see in Back to the Future when Marty goes back in time. Yeah, yeah, and they've they've got very fifties kind of hairstyles mm. they look very similar it's almost like uh rubber palmer's backup band only blonde <laughs> and from 1959 is that jim belushi in that scenario he's the real singer he is the real singer yes ron belushi ron belushi oh um I, no, Belushi. Jim Belushi did that shit where he tried to step in, and finally yeah. somebody was like, "No, 
You've nope. got to. <laughs> you you have urinated enough on the grave of your more talented yeah. brother. You 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 will be consigned to many 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 uh, ridicule ridden episodes of We Hate Movies, um, <laughs> Mister Jim Belushi. Those are that's, my favorites. That's your, that is your punishment. However, I'm going to say Jim Belushi is actually. Really fucking good in Twin Peaks. And Absolutely. should not surprise anyone. He's yeah. fucking great in Twin Peaks. In fact, he has a scene later on where he says a particular line that I can't wait to to see because I was just like, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I want, Jim Belushi. Don't try and be funny. No one wants you to be funny. People want you to be menacing. Think thief. That fucking great Michael Mann movie. Thief. Yep. And he's amazing in that. So yeah, so um yeah, so she's still weeping. Um, I, but we find out later on that maybe she is not as remorseful as we actually think. Maybe she is playing them uh, by letting them see what they want to see from this scenario. Yeah, can't. Uh, Candy's got a lot more going on than uh, they're giving her credit for. Anyway, let's get to thirty, uh, where a fantasy of mine has come to life, <laughs> where Naomi Watts is given thirty the eye, and it's just like. Is getting kind of seductive, like, but it's kind of housewife seductive, right? Where she's kind of giving him the signal of like, I'm just gonna drape my hand over my belly like this, yep, toss one arm up like this, and be like, so, Bergy, <laughs> how you feeling? And meanwhile, Thurgy is just eating cake like a goon, yep. And then <laughs> we cut to Janie. Who clearly took charge of this situation. Yep. And she's the Dom in this scenario, boy. Oh, pegging indeed, Duncan. Um <laughs> But we cut to Janie just riding the shit out of him. <laughs> like fucking sea biscuit. Like, <laughs> oh like, like sea biscuit, Duncan. Um raid them like sea biscuit. She's fucking raid them into the ground. She's raiding them into battle bow. Um like <laughs> literally uh, and, and she's like there's a great shot of her riding him and his arms are bouncing with each like thrust <laughs> of hers a bit, please. where <laughs> he looks like a real shitty mothra <laughs> like unable to take flight and Bebo, she's like ducky ducky yeah. <laughs> uh and yeah and so she cries out sunny jim wakes up yeah traumatized by the fact he can hear his parents hardcore fucking in the other room hey hey it happens to every kid all right it just happens (laughs) nobody's happy about it it's never spoken of it just happens but uh but you know in fairness dougie seems happy yeah and and good lord why wouldn't you be naomi fucking watts naomi watts is a beautiful woman that's a a fine looking woman as someone once said uh um, yeah, not only is she a fine looking woman but she's got that whole kind of 50s housewife thing going on which i don't know is a bit of a turn on to me balls so. yeah i mean obviously it is terrible to discuss her in terms of mere aesthetics duncan but yes. damn me wants oh my god she like <laughs> she has always reminded me of grace kelly yeah it's a good comparison, actually. Yeah, she has that kind of classical kind of beauty. Always, always mm. beautiful, and also, God, man, you like we've discussed this on the show before. But uh, was it The Impossible? That movie about the tsunami. Yeah, she is amazing in that movie. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, she's a great actress. She really yeah. is, and she's worked when you see like she's worked with Lynch before. She's worked with Cronenberg. You know, she's she's got she's got she's worked with some good directors, and that's because she's a great actress. Duncan, let's cut to one of my favorite things that's ever happened in Twin Peaks, and I know that list changes week to week. <laughs> but holy like shit, nice changes the nice changes scene to scene, so it's fine. <laughs> holy shit, Duncan! <laughs> all right, first of all, we're we're greeted to Doctor Amp. Oh yeah, who. Giving a speech about railing against, uh, you know, people being sheep. You don't want to be sheeple people. Um, no sheeples up here. And then we cut to Nadine, but this is the what's important here. Yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, this is, yeah. Oh, is the I'm name so of her business. She, she, so she, she now she's no longer on the gas farm boat. No, she, and so we're going to assume that her and Ed parted ways. Uh, which certainly looked like how things were going at the end of season two. Um, and she now is a small business owner. I know what you're thinking to yourself. You're thinking, what did she go into? I mean, what what were Nadine's skills? Is something uh, maybe um, wrestling based? Because remember, we had that <laughs> that, that unfortunate Circus season two. related. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> is she a is she a strong man? Uh, you know, like what if we went down? And then, then Bo, we get the culmination of a story arc which we joked about. We joked like so many episodes ago about now that wouldn't it be amazing if the culmination of Twin Peaks was actually the story of Nadine setting up her business and becoming a successful. Silent drape runner saleswoman. Guess what? Um, <laughs> the name of the business, Duncan, is Run Silent Run Drapes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, is a callback to the old submarine film Run Silent Run Deep. Only, oh. guess what, Duncan? It's drapes. It's drapes. <laughs> Oh, David Lynch. This is how, like, see if, see if you, see if you were watching season three, and you, you're just one of these people that have been moaning about it. Then fuck you. This is this is why Twin Peaks could genuinely this season of Twin Peaks could genuinely be one of the greatest things to ever happen to TV. It's like it is so fucking wonderfully weird, and yet it checks. It is. It's so wonderfully weird, but not weird in a way where it's just random. It's everything is so well thought out, and that's what kind of makes me love the show. Like if you're like me and a stickler for, I want to go on the journey and I want to examine everything, I want to study everything, I want to be part of the mythology of Twin Peaks, like really encapsulate that mythology. Then details like this just make me details like this tickle my asshole bow with a feather. It could very good. well be Duncan. That moving forward, when people say, hey, did you ever saw, ever see Twin Peaks? I will say, you mean that show where they do the submarine movie pun <laughs> about the crazy Hulk strength woman who made silent drapes? And they're like, no, the one where Laura Palmer died. Right, right. Laura Palmer was in it, too. <laughs> <laughs> she was my co-star. Uh, passes the baton from from Laura Palmer to Nadine. You are the future of the show. 
I entrust it to you. And this weird sort of knighting ceremony where she has to kneel down and she's knighted with a sword over both of them like that. Accidentally loses an ear like Van Gogh, so she's got a patch and a missing an ear. Uh, but she gets the batted to run forward with the show. So, yeah, so she she is she is a big fan of uh, the old Doctor Amp, um, and she's watching it in her shop, which runs silent, runs drapes, which is just it's the best. It it, it oh, is David Lynch. It is one of my favorite things that's ever happened on a television show. It was a joke that is so dumb and so genius at the same time love it it's i'll tell you it it is up there with my favorite jokes from like the muppet show in terms of just <laughs> like that's a dumb joke but it's kind of smart too um, oh, so good anyway so a couple of uh brief tidbits uh we cut back to Fergie's and janie is feeling pretty good about fucking and uh she she is she decides she's gonna take dougie to work um, then we cut to Jerry Horn, who is still lost in the woods. Yep. It's not talking to him now, though, so that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, we, we've, we're improving, but still lost in the woods. And I feel like we are on a collision course with, uh, Jerry and, uh, Hawk and Sheriff Truman and Bobby Briggs over here. Over here. Uh, uh, on their way into the woods, ultimately. I think you're right. So, um, back at the Twin Peaks Sheriff de- Department, fuck you, Chad. Chad intercepts uh, the mailman and and finds uh, the letter from Miriam. Yeah, by sweet talking, poor, poor, innocent receptionist. He like he he and he's it's so like and she's so innocent that she doesn't understand that he's a complete cunt. Well, um, she eyeballs him out the window. She's like, uh, this doesn't seem like a Chad move to do anything for anyone ever. Mm-hmm. So she she's curious but she does not see chad pocket the letter yeah and which is a real bummer but uh shitbag richard gets a uh text saying that the deed is done letter wise Mm -hmm. and then duncan we get uh, like a scene that is simultaneously wonderful and bizarre and also terrible. Yeah, one of the, one of the most harrowing things, and we've we've been like, if we, I, I imagine listening, any listener listening to me must say Duncan over embellishes and exaggerates everything because everything that I talk about is the, the most amazing scene, the most harrowing scene. Right? This is legitimately one. It's probably one of the most harrowing scenes since the the you know the. Laura Palmer death at the hands of Leland Palmer in the fucking stage the abandoned stagecoach where she realises that her friend is going to escape and she is condemned you know this to me is it's 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 incredibly brutal yeah but but it's it's alright so it starts alright so we're at at, uh, uh, the Horn house like Benjamin and Mama Horn uh, what's her name um uh, Sylvia. So, so, yeah, Sylvia. So they they're separated. So yeah. So obviously. Sylvia <laughs> sees Richard rolling in, and she's like, "Look, I don't, I don't have anything. Go ask your grandfather, you know, Benjamin." And uh, meanwhile, Johnny is with her. Johnny of the Indian, you know, headdress. Yeah, uh, who we have not at- seen since like episode three. 
Right. <laughs> and he is tied to a fucking chair like an animal. He's had an accident. Sure. And he's got the helmet and he's talking to some crazy ass teddy bear. There's a, a fish bowl, like an empty fish bowl, see through teddy bear. Right. It's like the fucking head thing. <laughs> the robot monster goldfish bowl head. Yeah. Except lit in from within, like uh, the assistant from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And it, it keeps repeating the phrase, hello, Johnny. How are you today? Um, and he's like fixed to his chair, transfixed to looking at this as it repeats over and over and over and over. And at first, when I saw it, I kind of giggled. I was like, this is like well, cookie weird Lynch doing what Lynch does. And the longer the scene goes on, the more harrowing this Hello Johnny, how are you today gets. Yeah. And, and by the end of it, it's like being trapped in a nightmare. Well, so Richard rolls up in there, demands the money, and when uh, Sylvia won't give it to him, he starts choking her yeah. barehanded for the combination to the safe. His own grandmother, Duncan. Well, once again, this is worth noting. This is his grandmother. So we, we definitely know now, like doing the math, Bo, let's do the math here. So we definitely know um, it's not Ben's son. Um, right, this is Audrey's kid, almost. Must 100%. be because it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, not, it's not Richards. Yeah, it's definitely not. Yeah, definitely not Johnny's. And I think it would be unrealistic to think that is Jerry's. Yes, I, I think that's right. Yeah, I think this yeah, is Jerry's, Audrey's Jerry's son. Jerry's talking to him. So yes, I think this is Audrey's son, which once again links into this weird thing that I said on the previous episode that there was an internet rumor flying around at the time of release of that episode that there was a comment made that uh, Doppel Cooper made a visit to Audrey before he left, and maybe he impregnated her. And if that's the case, that means that this little shit, Richard, may have a bit of, a bit of uh, uh, BLS in him. Or a bit of Black No, BLM, sorry. Black Lord Magic. Yeah. And... All right, so he, he gets the combination... Steals the money, like after shoving her down. Yeah. Then, like, and poor Johnny is struggling to get to his mother to help her, but can't because he's tied to the chair. As chair falls over. Yeah, and so he's lying on his side, just you know, groaning and 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 trying to protect her. And there's this happy, there's this like happy music playing in the background. They're listening to some sort of and maybe classical music. I can't remember now, but there's like a bit of classical music that's playing over and over in the background. So you have the, the grandmother distraught and in tears, who has been brutalized. You have Johnny struggling, tied to a chair, lying on its side. You have this serene music playing in the background, and this weird fucking robot teddy bear saying, "Hello, Johnny. How are you today? Hello, Johnny." How are you today? Just like on repeat, it is, it is the thing is the a lynching fucking nightmare ball. Yeah, it, it's so like he. Not only does he take the money and the silverware, he then calls uh, his grandmother a cunt. Yeah, and I hate Richard even more. Yeah, he's he's a horrible, horrible, horrible person, and we can only hope, Bo, that something absolutely hideous happens to him. One can only hope, Duncan, because now we must turn our attention to Las Vegas. 
where uh, Duncan is the character's name behind the desk, uh, it turns out, is... Um, so he he calls over this uh, Roger dude um, who uh, was... Like, the guy who shows up in the room is asking about his employer and shit like that. More importantly, Anthony, Tom Sizemore's character, yep. is also in this room. Tom Sizemore rolling in here, which I'm quite glad about because I like Tom Sizemore as an actor and I kind of wanted to see more of him and Twin Peaks is giving me what I want. So, Duncan, uh, not you, Duncan, character Duncan, <laughs> calls Anthony over and says, you're going to go visit the Jones brothers who are the, you know, uh, Jim Belushi and his brother. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell them that Thurgy has it out for him. Yes. And if that doesn't work, you have to kill Thurgy yourself. Mm-hmm. And Anthony's like, uh, the fuck? And he's like, yeah, that's the deal. So get packing. And so now we have another hit on Thurgy's life. <laughs> Uh, so it's like that. It's it's like I can't remember what one it is, but I think it's the third, maybe the fourth Pink Panther movie, where the the world's top assassins are uh, are sent after Peter Sellers. (laughs) They'll end up killing each other. (laughs) Ah, dear. Sorry, I just like every time I think every time I think of Peter Sellers. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I need to go back and watch those. I, They're I, fucking brilliant. Yeah, you, can't, I, you could not make those movies now. They are so racist. It's unbelievable. Hello, Kato, my little yellow friend. <laughs> yeah, see, people shouldn't say that. Um, hey, let's go to a restaurant where Albert and Candace uh, are making a little time over dinner, which is awesome. I love this. Uh, At last, my love is coming along. Um, Gordon and Tammy are watching him, which is creepy, but you know, all right. Because <laughs> uh, like Albert doesn't get any downtime at all. Well, it doesn't seem like he's the, the kind of guy that wants a lot of downtime either. Yeah, you know, he he has a a, a mission, a purpose. He has a path, Duncan, and that path is love. Um, <laughs> So Anthony uh, shows up at the at the Silver Mustang, and it turns out he was the insurance agent who denied them the thirty million when they claimed insurance this is, on. This 30. is fucking great. This is like when I get once again, a fucking amazing scene. Yeah, it really is. And so Candy, because it's the the Jones brothers and like Candy and the gang, um, and. They're like, hey, Candy, go go bring Anthony up uh, into our, like, you know, they're up there in the uh, uh, observation room where they're watching all the security cameras, security booth, I guess. And it's like when the girls are in a pack, they get all model crazy or something <laughs> where they just stand around and look pretty and it's hard to push them into motion. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, she does go down and they watch on the on the cameras I love that, like, she goes out there and, like, uh, the, one of them, t- the the one brother turns around to the, the Belushi brother and he's, he, 
can't wait to get rid of her. And it's like, ah, we don't, she's got nowhere else to go. <laughs> it's like, this is just her life. It's like, you know, where's she going to go? I, don't, I know right. she's useless, but, you know, <laughs> can't, can't cut her loose. You know, nowhere, you know, but then she goes down and frustrates the scenario more because she, instead of bringing him up straight away, they see her, like, just having a casual conversation, which angers them to no end. Um, and they're like, we well, just get him up here. So she brings him up, uh, and Tom Sizemore is amazing in this scene. This is like, ah, uh, bo, 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 bo. This is what I'm talking about. It's, it's Twin Peaks. It loves me. <laughs> um. Well, all right. Before we even get him up there, though, they have to call the pit boss mm-hmm. because they're like, "What the fuck is Candy doing down there?" And it turns out Candy was just chit chatting about the weather. And so Tom Sizemore in this scene is like, hey, um, that thing about the arson, that was Dergy. And I think he's got a personal vendetta, like a personal, personal vendetta mm-hmm. against you. And uh, then they're like, Candy, get him, get him out of here. And uh, but it, it's a great Tom Sizemore like overselling it completely. Yeah, he's like, you've got you've got an enemy. He keeps saying that you've got an enemy in Dougie Jones. You've like, <laughs> like don't know about you have an enemy in Dougie Jones. And enemy <laughs> he keeps yeah. like, keeps like keeps forcing this issue. And the thing about it was like the Duncan character basically just said, you know, turn their attention to him. Uh, and I think he may have used the line, you know, make it sound like they've got an enemy in Dougie Jones. And what he took away from that is, that's what I'll just keep saying. No, no subtlety here. He just like that's, he just keeps reiterating the, the same line. You have an enemy in Dougie Jones. It's fucking brilliant. It, it's very funny. And if you're a certain kind of sick fuck like me. But um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, you know, they ask Kenny to see him out. She finally does. That takes a bit too um because candy's not necessarily quick coming or going um but they do decide that they're going to set up a meeting with dergy implying a little bit that they might just go ahead and kill him anyway yeah let's get rid of the problem right like not kind of anthony aside (laughs) like his his performance uh notwithstanding but um then we cut to uh gordon in his hotel room Having a glass of wine and drawing a picture. Yeah. Which seems like a real Gordon thing to do. Yep. And or a David Lynch thing to do. Because we all know David Lynch, accomplished artist. And musician. And musician. We do love a bit of his music. And <laughs> Last uh, Cow. <laughs> we, the cowboy song. I don't remember the name of it, but oh my goodness, that song. Um <laughs> So this is kind of the first time that we see, or in my memory, uh, Gordon coming face to face with some honest to goodness BLS. Yeah, because when he opens that hotel room door, Duncan, mm-hmm. there is a vision of one. Uh, hey, it's me! No, it's Laura Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me wishes it was Nadine though. <laughs> I know, and, and Nadine and Lynch get it on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> Grab the saddle, Grandpa. 
Um, it, it would work. That relationship would work because one of them screeches very loudly, and the other one's deaf. You can only hear people that talk loudly. So, yeah, but it's it is the the image of a crying Laura Palmer, uh, yeah. and and Sarah calling her name, Sarah Palmer, um, and then Gordon looks around like what, and. <laughs> When it fades, there's Albert. And then Albert reveals that Diane got a text, again, kind of potentially from Doppelcooper. They don't know uh, about the, you know, the conversation around the dinner table is lively. Um, and Diane responds with, they have Hastings. And Tammy then shows up uh, with a picture from the penthouse before the murders. The, yes. you know, the, the, the place we saw the glass box and, you know, Cooper floated in for a second before the monster did and it up them, them kids, what were trying to have sex. 10 hours ago, 10 yeah. hours ago, <laughs> forever ago. But it's a picture of Doppel Cooper talking to the science guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe a scientist is what they're called, <laughs> not science guys, but you know what I mean. So this begs a question, Bo, that we knew that the building was owned by a very wealthy man who had that box in in there. Does this building belong to Doublecoop? And was this a fail-safe device built to trap Cooper? I mean, I I think you've got got to believe that Doublecooper, if not his place, like if he doesn't own it, uh, he at least is part of this project. But yeah, I think it's a total... Like, at some point, if Cooper slips out of the Black Lodge, this is going to suck him in. And then we can mm-hmm. trap him. And I can do weird stuff to him. I don't yep. know. Like, probably just kill him. But, um, yeah. So, uh, and and then, you know, all the killing Dargy is just finishing the job that he couldn't finish with the glass box in the, in the penthouse. Mm-hmm. Um... Hey, well, that's you know that's it because th- he's hired the guy to kill Dougie. Remember that? So he's hired Duncan to hire the guy to kill Dougie. So right. this was like some like super plan to one trap Agent Cooper out of the Black Lodge somewhere else, some like purgatory in between, and then remove Dougie, kind of the the triggered feel safe for him, and thus he is free. So, right. Very very clever. I mean, Doppel Cooper has some Cooper in him. For sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so we cut then to the Great Northern Duncan, mm-hmm. and uh, Ben Horn's wife is on the phone telling him that Richard cleaned her out and she needs more money. And and then we do get confirmation here that they are separated. Yeah. And kind of head in hands, he is you know been sort of at the end of his rope in a lot of ways or just really just exhausted with the situation and he then asks uh beverly to dinner mm-hmm. in uh in a moment of weakness is like you know what fuck it let's just do this thing and then duncan oh. we cut to margaret the log lady yeah it's been uh, a while might- yeah, this might be the last time we see her. I can't remember how many episodes she's actually listed as doing, but I get the feeling, and obviously she has now passed on, but I get the feeling there's not too many more appearances of her. 
Yeah, which is a shame. But it, it's her talking to uh, Hawk. Uh, yeah. And she tells him that the electricity is humming. Hmm. And uh, basically it's just, hey, weird shit is going on all around. Mm-hmm. And the glow is dying. That is something that she repeats a couple of times. And she says that Laura is the one. Laura is the one. And I also like the line, the Truman brothers are both true men. Yeah, I like that as That's well. pretty good. And and then go, like even tells Hawk, like, they're your brothers. And it, it, it again, it's just this lovely scene. It's filled with a lot of flowery language, and it, it, it is kind of about the mythology of the Black Lodge and Margaret's weird, as we learned in, you know, Secret History of Twin Peaks, the, uh, the fact that she was touched by the Lodge at an early age. And, yeah. Um, but it, there is something so, like, wistful about these scenes to me. Because it's really just her talking, and then they cut to Hawk listening. Yeah, and but it's there's still something kind of lovely about it all, um, and and also just kind of cool because it's all, you know, like the stuff I love most about this show is when it gets kind of mystical, and she is nothing but the Yoda of this show. Log <laughs> <laughs> mm, talk to you, it will. Uh, <laughs> Damn it, and she's off the show now. <laughs> Finally. The log lady has a voice and it's done. Pass the bees. <laughs> we pass the goddamn bees, Donna. Donna, why aren't you on this show? Yeah, Donna! Donna did not want to come back. Yeah. Oh, what? I, eh. Did she? No, she's not on it, is she? No. Yeah. I mean that's that's a real shame. I mean I know that we have some Audrey to look forward to, but Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> speaking of getting her at the Roadhouse, uh Rebecca Del Rio is performing No Stars. And hey, is that Moby I spy on the guitar? Was it? It was. I did not know that. Yeah. There we go. See, you can learn stuff on this show. It ain't all stupid. <laughs> uh <laughs> That should be our tagline. Duck it and vote come correct. It ain't all stupid. It's the greatest thing ever. It's the greatest thing ever. That is that like someone like copyright that ball. Copyright it now. Done. Done. I, I I mailed it to myself. It is now officially copyrighted. Um So that's it. That's episode ten. That's episodes nine and ten, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Uh we are we are now there there are more twin peaks uh behind us than ahead of us in this season. Yeah. And uh it's a little bittersweet. Uh it's exciting cuz I can watch two more episodes now. Oh, I can't wait. Honestly, I was uh. getting worried that you know, cuz I know that the Blu-ray comes out in December. I was getting worried that we would still be recording this when my Blu-ray arrived. <laughs> Bite your tongue, sir. Uh we are we are back. Four episodes. Yeah. yeah, four episodes from from uh, from finalizing this. Yeah, and uh, and then and we will do the uh, the the wrap up book as well at some point. Um, yeah, well, I think that makes sense. I think you um, know, here's what we ought to do. Demand it. Yep. 
uh, is in December. We ought to do a, a final show, a return to Twin Peaksies, if you will. A return uh, to the return of Twin Peaksies. That's perfect. And Twin Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaksies, colon, the return, colon, Twin Peaks, colon, the return. <laughs> will be the name of the show. And... <laughs> It will be a discussion of the Blu-ray release of the show and any special features. Three hours of, um, I believe it's three hours of um, uh, scenes that didn't make the show. Yeah. And then we we, we close the book on this investigation, Duncan. Yeah. I I would look forward to that. Sounds like something that the people will want as well. Uh, And even if they don't, we'll probably do it. We'll um, do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, because we don't we don't really care, David. Um, <laughs> who is who may or may not be listening? Uh, but anyway, uh, before we uh, leave, Duncan, mm-hmm. um, how about we talk about uh, what what we might be watching in the uh, the coming week? Oh, um, follow. Do what now? <laughs> I'm going to get my list. All right. Uh, because I have a list that I'm adhering to as part of my 31 of October. Um, yeah, that's then... kind of what I was hinting at. And also, uh, one last question I'm, I'll, I almost missed from Richard Glenn Schmidt, and God God help me. How how oh, could I miss yeah. a question from that gentleman? Um, yeah, Florida Bow is what I call him. Florida Bow. Florida, Florida Bow is what a lot of people call him. Um, <laughs> what it, What's it like living in a post-season three world? And that's a great thing. I don't know. It ain't over for me yep. yet, man. Yeah, we're still we're still rolling. We're still rolling in that season three right now, um, and I don't want to live in that world. No, uh, but I know we will eventually. It feels it feels too good. I like being here. Uh, right. In answer to your question, um, before we record next, uh, there are four things on my list that I'm really looking forward to hitting. Um, the first one: Happy Death Day comes out in the UK on Friday the 20th of October. So this Friday, I will be able to see that at the cinema. Looking forward to that. Heard really good reports uh, and uh, outperformed the new Blade Runner movie this week, which, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, That's the word we live in now, Duncan. I know. Ground, I know. Groundhog Day horror movie. Outperforms. Outperforms yeah. Blade Runner. So yeah, so that's that. And then the following day, I'm checking out Leatherface. So I will... Uh, I will experience that. Um, the day after that, I'm watching El Bar, which is the new Alex D. Iglesias movie. So the guy that did Witching and Bitching. Um, so that movie's on Netflix. I've heard nothing but great things about it. And then the day after that, 1922 drops, which is another Stephen King adaptation, which is making its way to Netflix. So I will have watched all of them before I speak to you next. I'm really looking forward to to, to, and also, I checked out. Uh, or can just because I'll Jamie Jenkins this, uh, or Jamie Salmons um, tonight before recording this. I finally got a chance to see Amityville: The Awakening. Oh right, yeah. yeah you said uh, I, I, I thought you said it was not uh, as bad as you had heard. Yeah, it wasn't as bad. No, no, not as nowhere near as bad as uh, what you would assume for a movie being on the shelf. It's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. There are worse than that franchise, though. 
So that's that's a that's not a good franchise. Better um, than Amityville Dollhouse, says Duncan McLeish, uh, <laughs> podcast under the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah podcaster dams with faint praise. Um, right. So yeah, news at eleven. Uh, not so, a yeah, form so... of cancer, says Duncan. <laughs> What about yourself? What you what, what's on the what's on the agenda? All right, so I've been kind of uh, throwing in just some stuff that I've wanted to see that I didn't know the quality of uh, for the first part of my watching uh, Halloween movies, and now it's time to get serious, Duncan. Ooh. And the next couple of weeks are going to be uh, all time favorites. Uh, I, nice. I'm talking your Fright Nights. I'm talking your Reanimators. I'm talking your Things. I'm talking your Halloweens. I'm talking your Trick or Treats. It's all going to be there. And what do I got to do to put you in a scary movie today, Duncan? Um, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why I'm trying to sell you that. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I think the, here's the thing. It's it's what do I watch Halloween night? You know, I'll probably watch a couple of things. But what movie am I uh, damn sure that I watch on Halloween? I've got Mings packed. Uh, what, what's, your, what's yours? I'll tell you mine. Uh, my one is Creep 2. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it comes out, I think, about three or four days before Halloween. So, I, I mean, I will watch. There's there's certain movies that I have to watch on Halloween. So Halloween 3 Season of the Witch is an, a must-watch on Halloween for me. Nightbreed is a must-watch for me on Halloween. That's, you know, that's a hmm. given. I will watch both of those movies. Um, and, you know, if there's room, because it's a Tuesday, maybe not room this year, uh, if there's room, I'll maybe sneak in um, a little trick or treat, or maybe Satan's Little Helper, which is a, a movie that I only watched for the first time about two years ago, and that is a goddamn fun movie. Um, but Creep Two is the is the main feature of uh, movies that I haven't seen, and it's been announced already that they've already greenlit the third one as part of the trilogy. Which was originally when that movie came out, they said that Mark Duplass said he had a trilogy in mind, um, so apparently. Uh, they are very confident that it's going to do very well on Netflix. That they've already greenlit. The I mean, the first one did so good. Even if the second one doesn't, don't you think the they do the third? <laughs> like, oh man! Like the trailer for that second one's got me hooked already, and it, it basically mm. looks like a more, a, like a kind of, a kind of fun play on the first movie. So I'm I'm down. That first movie is fucking brilliant. So yeah, yeah. I I haven't watched the trailer for it yet, and I don't think I'm gonna. I think I'm just let let me go in blind because that that's how I saw the first one and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I so Halloween night for me, hundred uh, percent is the fog that has taken Ooh, like nice. that's I want a good ghost story on Halloween night and the fog is one of my favorites. Ooh, um, that's a really good one actually. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I don't fuck around, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey everyone thanks for listening to all this uh, whiskers whiskers runs though don't fuck around you heard it here <laughs> you heard it here pass uh, the peas Duncan pass the peas <laughs> um, I just want I just want to at every dinner now have a small container with peas that I can shout at someone to pass it's the best uh, like I, don't wait for the peas Duncan I'm telling you um you're just you're just losing valuable opportunities you know <laughs> do you know how fast you're going officer pass the peace <laughs> we pass the peace <laughs> please officer it's hard to say 
Um, <laughs> also, we should stop because this is just getting worse. Uh, but yep. uh, listeners, thank you so much. Uh, if you would, uh, if you're enjoying the show, um, tell somebody about it. Tell uh, even if they're like, "Hey, we don't we don't like Twin Peaks that much," and uh, just be honest with them and tell them it's not really that much about Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> kind of, but. Mm. Um. So, uh, but uh, just say it though. Just say it, when they ask you what it sounds like, just go Dirk, 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 or tell them they don't look like Laura. That might work. When he breaks up with someone, he sends them a Dirk John letter. <laughs> His favorite movie says, is uh, the Dirk Hunter. <laughs> He sets that he's, he's like he's, he has a special breakup ringtone which he sets for message received uh, to, to anyone he's breaking up with. So because <laughs> you've been dumped. Man, we are a half step away from him just being a chicken. Folks, thanks for listening. To the last show we'll do. Uh, if it's going to be anything like this, Duncan, I refuse. Um, but no, seriously, we'll be back next week to talk about episodes uh, 11 and 12 of uh, Twin Peaks, uh, colon, The Returnsies. Um, so thanks very much uh, again for listening and uh, say goodnight, Duncan. Good night, Duncan. Good night.
streets at night. City streets at night. Till the morning light. City streets at night. Man, you really freak me out. I'm so afraid of you. And when I lose my cool, I don't know what to do. I know. Just do.